Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. My name is Josh, and you're now listening to episode two of the KooCast. My guest this week is a good friend of mine, Tiffany, who I've known almost my entire life. Now, I gotta admit, on this episode, we kind of go down many different rabbit trails, but I promise if you continue to listen, we bring it back full circle every single time. Everything that we talk about basically kind of supports the original thought or supports a thought that we have previously laid out uh, at some point in our discussion. Uh, This episode is going to be longer than the previous one, so I hope you don't mind. If you're willing to stick around for that long, I greatly appreciate it. If not, come back to this podcast later. Tackle a few minutes here, a few minutes there, 40 minutes here, maybe an hour, you know, on your drive to work or whatever. So, without further ado, here's episode two of the KooCast. I thoroughly hope you enjoy it. Stay righteous. Throw it out there? Yeah, throw it out there. What do you got? What do you got? Uh, so my name is Tiffany. I and am... this is my pod. No. <laughs> and this is my podcast. <laughs> no, that's my podcast. Yeah, no, that's that, um... that's your line. So <laughs> that's my line. Uh, so my podcast is an epiphany with Tiffany. Uh, shameless plug. There, check it out. Uh, so Josh and I have known each other for twenty eight ish years. Okay, don't say it out loud because you're, now you're uh, gonna make us sound old. So well, we we are old. <laughs> <laughs> no, we are. Yeah, we are old. We're, we're up there. So we're up there. But yeah, so a real long time. Um, yeah, I'm trying to remember what else I had written down. Hang on. <laughs> oh, you didn't. You don't have your notes with you. I did. That's what I did in the the... previous episode. Like, I had notes, but now my only note that I have written for me right now on my phone is, uh, don't rabbit trail. That's it. Oh my god, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because we will go down a daisy chain of rabbit trail shit, and it'll be just, it'll be one thing after the other, and we'll never, we'll never be done with this episode, so... We will never be done. And I would um, like to because points. the longer they go, the more hard it is for me to edit. So, <laughs> uh, I know. Okay. We're going to have to keep track of the time. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll keep an eye. I've got a timer down here on the bottom of my computer. So, okay. Perfect. We're good to go. We're good to go. All right. So, I have my notes. <laughs> cool. Um, so, background in psychology and social work. Check um, you out. Yay. What, what? B-A-N-N-M-S. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, so, you know, I am I know some things, but I don't, like, know everything. I'm not claiming to know everything. That's just a little disclaimer. Of course. Uh, second disclaimer is the points that I'm going to be making are my own personal point of view based on the different experiences that I've had in this field mm-hmm. and then, like, the knowledge that I've gained just through my own personal journey. Um, so here's the rabbit trail disclaimer. Okay. <laughs> I have a tendency to rabbit trail, um, but I will come back to my point. That's just how my brain works. Trust me. But we will try and keep it, keep it chill. We'll see what happens, though. Yeah, we'll see. No promises. No promises yeah. here. Yeah, no, no promises ever. Okay. And so, um, I guess my first question would be, what would you like to talk? What What have you? I already know, but this is for the <laughs> audience, obviously. <laughs> what is it that you would like to talk about today? So I really want to touch on the mental health issue and how I personally feel it's become a glorified mess of things Mm -hmm. and just kind of like unpack that and 
talk about how in turn that really means people aren't dealing with their issues um, because it just become it's just become this big huge like hot button topic basically. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Sweet. Okay. So <laughs> lead us into this. So what is the first like? I guess what is the first aspect of mental health that you're wanting to kind of open up this discussion with or mm-hmm. touch on or like I guess what's the biggest what do you see from your point of view is the biggest like concern with mental health that isn't being a direct I get well I guess this is kind of heavy to get into right off the bat but we might as well <laughs> what do you think is the biggest issue with mental health like in the aspects of mental health that isn't being mm-hmm. talked about right now like from your point of view so like I kind of touched on it's in my opinion it's become so glorified to have something wrong with you right like we all we all have our issues there's there's no denying that we've all gone through crap and you know it's all affected how we've been raised how we handle certain situations and stuff like that but I think the big problem now is that it's so glorified to be depressed or so glorified to have anxiety or all these other hot button words, right? Trigger words. Oh my God, don't Mm -hmm. even get me started on triggered. Um, um, (laughs) Descriptors in your Twitter biography. Yes, exactly. Um, And so it's just become this big thing where everybody's focused on what my label is versus actually trying to heal and find coping skills and, you know, work through those issues. It's just now like, well, I can't, I'm just, you know, I'm just so depressed or I'm just so anxious or I'm so triggered and offended by everything. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Um, So I think, that's like the big the big thing that has been driving me nuts yep. lately is just seeing that constantly all over social media, mm-hmm. right? Because how else do you get people to follow you? You have to find your little niche, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to talk about having mental health struggles. I'm not saying that at all. Like I'm just throwing that out there. It's important to talk about it because most people don't. Mm-hmm. That most people have, have like the true true issues do not talk about it i think it's important to talk about it but there's a fine line between going hey i have this issue and i want to kind of talk about it and then glorifying your issue so much that you know you're getting all this attention because of it and you know it's like you're stroking your ego at that point oh of course yeah you know so yeah. <laughs> okay. That's kind of the kind of the gist. <laughs> no, I I uh, uh, don't you get me started. I, <laughs> this is something that my my brother and I have talked about a thousand times. This is something that wait, sister, second brother? Uh first brother. Oh, first brother. Um, okay. This is something that his wife and I and a lot, oh, like all yes. three of us have talked about, and mm-hmm. like people that we used to know. Mm-hmm. people that she used to know and just like how it it is it is literally i am defined by yeah the mental oh my gosh i don't even want to say that it's a disability mm-hmm. or a disorder because mm-hmm. you can't you can't just sit back one day oh my gosh 
<laughs> there's so come on, there's come so, out with yeah, it. <laughs> there's so many directions that I could go with this and trying to find a specific like angle to kind of like attack this from mm-hmm. is rough because you could attack it from like 80 different angles. Yes. And so I guess for me it's just the where where it starts for me is well, not for me, but where I mm-hmm. think it starts for a lot of younger people is it's just you can't you can't sit back in your room one day and be like, well, how can I be victimized? Unfortunately, mm-hmm. that's the way our society works a lot nowadays is people, yeah. well, my life is pretty good. And again, this is, I'm not using this as an absolute. I'm not saying that everyone's life is great, but definitely the, there are kids out there who have it fine that are going mm-hmm. through things that everyone else in the entire world and the entire existence of humankind has gone through before. You're not the first, you're not fucking special. <laughs> but you don't you also don't get to sit back and just go, you know what? I feel like being depressed today and I'm going to use that as my victim card and go walk around yeah, and yeah. where does it usually start? So like so again, let's kind of back up here. So let's throw in the whole victim card thing, right? Yeah. And looking at the youth of today and the need almost to, well, I need to be a victim in some way. I need to be victimized mm-hmm. by something in some way. Mm-hmm. And where does that start? Like, who are, who are the first people that have to fucking put up with that shit? <laughs> like, who have to sit back and like, oh my god, shut up. Like, it's yeah. the parents. It's the parents, yeah. And so I guess this is my first question that I was going to actually kind of wind in with okay. you is, so you've made it clear what your concern about is with quote-unquote mental health, whether it be real or... Mm-hmm manufactured yeah i'm gonna use that term very loosely so you said what your concern is so what do you think the solution is oh god (laughs) because and there's a reason i kind of brought up the parents here because i have a feeling that you are going to bring up parenting Mm -hmm. as a solution but also the fact that parenting is the problem yes as well as you know me so well as well as as well as other things i would say yeah yeah. 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 It's, so I'll. First off, you know me very well. Mm. <laughs> uh, that's totally where I was going to go with it. But yeah, you know, it's going to be, it's going to come down to the nature versus nurture like conversation, right? Where, in my opinion, it's both those, both of those like spectrums pace while wow, play such a huge role in like in our upbringing, right? But then you throw in, like so if you look at your family unit right that's your first um nature versus nurture like realm right and then you start to expand past your immediate family to your extended family and then you're going to go out right into your different levels here here comes my social work brain mm-hmm. um <laughs> you're going to go into your different levels of society right and that's how in social work we have like the micro level, the macro level, and then the meso level, which is, you know, just kind of like the middle ground. Mm-hmm. And so each of those different things are going to be playing a role in how one individual handles specific situations, whether it be an actual legitimate traumatic experience or if it's just something that was like a really hard day, but we kind of internalized it and therefore mm. in turn that became a form of quote trauma 
Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, the you know, you, okay, let's go back to parents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So, not every single one of us on the face of the planet have great parents. It's mm-hmm. just fact. Right? But some of us have more decent parents and other ones have, like, the best parents on the face of the planet. And, you know, so those little moments like in our first few years of life really play such a major role that most people don't even realize how much that affects our decision-making, you know, our ability to cope, um, our attachment to the people that are around us. Right. And so like, if you have parents who honestly were probably doing the best that they could with the situation that they were in, right. Mm-hmm. You know, because we all have skills yeah. and, you know, in different areas. So, like, if you look at it from a societal standpoint, like, we might see a single mom who, you know, is working, like, three jobs but isn't there for her kids because her her, parent, her parents are helping raise the kids, right? Yeah. So, just an example. I'm not trying to, like, step on toes. But anyway, so people like from the societal standpoint will look at that and be like, Oh my gosh, you're, you know, you're neglecting your kids. Hold on. Hmm. Wait a minute. Let's not blame this single mom for being out there and trying to provide for her kids because the person that she had kids with, you know, epically failed. Right. Mm -hmm. Or whatever. I'm going to go off on a tangent on that one. So let's just bring it back in. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Anyway. So let's just use that as a, like a, like as a baseline, not to say yeah. that every single mother is like that or that that's their situation, but like, let's just like use that as a. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's the baseline. Right. So then now we're going to look at the kids. So the kids, you know, spend however long every day with grandma or grandpa or both. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they don't see mom all that often. They only see mom when she's off work or maybe the weekends, just because that's just how situations working out. Mm-hmm. Also, right? depending you... on her shift. Yeah, exactly. Depending on what she's doing, how many jobs she's actually working, what those jobs are. Right. And so, you know, you flash forward a few years. Right. And then now all of a sudden you have this kid who has been told by society that, you know, their mom was neglecting them because she was working so much. Or they have this sense of abandonment because their mom wasn't there. Now, that's a legit thing, right? Because their mom wasn't present that often because she was out providing because of whatever happened with the dad, right? Mm -hmm. So that in itself can be a form of trauma, right? Mm -hmm. So mom wasn't present or same. let's even flip it. Dad, they're they're together, but dad was the one out working, right? So you can have that on both sides. I'm not just saying that, you know, not all dads are crap, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but you know what I'm saying? Like, so you can have that sense of abandonment from either parent. Right. And then if you, like, if that mom didn't do like everything that she could to try and help that child, like realize I'm not abandoning you, abandoning you. Like, cause I think that's another thing is like, we don't, we don't give a lot of credit to single moms, but also mm-hmm. there's so many different like skill sets that she might not have been taught, right? Hypothetically. Yeah. And, you know, so she not, she's out there just trying to provide and like, you know, do the best that she can, but might not realize what's happening 
internally with her child. You, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, there's an education piece there that I feel like is missing too. Like we, we could have taken this mom and, you know, been like, Hey, you know, this might be happening. We don't know for sure, but this is just statistically right. Because it just, we all at some point and some, at some point in time feel like we're being abandoned. Right. It just happens. Mm -hmm. And so, um, or just different, different things. But anyway, so like we could have an education like conversation with this mom and be like you know hey like maybe there's different activities that like you could do is like with the community because i'm I'm gonna get off on a tangent about the church too just watch hang on let me write that note down because i want to come back to that (laughs) okay all right noted (laughs) side note side note yeah side note (laughs) yeah but anyway, mm-hmm. so I'm just like thinking about that. So I got to bring my, my brain back in. I wrote down the side note church. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so just different community level things. Because there are a lot of um, community-based programs that are meant to help single moms, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that, that you can have parenting skills like or parenting classes. Um there are different activities that will bring like single moms and their kids together, like on the weekends or whatever, to have that time. You get what I'm saying? Like, it's just kind of like finding that balance. Right. And I think that that's a huge issue with parents, whether they're single parents or, you know, married parents, Mm -hmm. it's a huge issue between balance of providing for your family versus like being present with your family. Yeah. Hmm. And so, that I think is where like parents really come in, in how you can all of a sudden have this whole generation of kids who feel like they're victims because, you know, there was something missing in their upbringing. Now that can get into whole generational stuff, which mm-hmm. I won't. <laughs> I was just thinking that. Uh, I mean, I'll go, I can go there, but like, you know, cause again, cause I would, I would, I would, mm, I would assume, well, I don't want to assume. But I would also throw in that, depending on what generation, mm-hmm. ooh, hold on, depending <laughs> on what generation the children, hold on, so for the children, right, that we're yeah. talking about, depending on mm-hmm. what generation their parents are from, mm-hmm. also plays a part in yep. how they're raised. Because yes. every, I want to, I would say that every Every kid at some point in their life, when they get old enough, they want to be better Mm -hmm. than their parents in that they look back and go, well, my parents did this to me. My parents did X, so I'm not Mm going to do that. I'm going to do Y. Yes. And that vicious cycle is like endlessly repeated. Yeah. And unfortunately, with the way our society works nowadays is the logical conclusion to all of that is unfortunately that well, if my parents did all this stuff and their parents did all this stuff and my great-great-grandparents did all this stuff (laughs) and that's all, not even that it's wrong or that it didn't work. Yeah. But everything in our society tells the the new generation of children, pardon Juno barking at something in the back. Oh, (laughs) Juno! She's sitting right outside the barn door and she's barking at something. That's fine. She'll come back. Um... (laughs) So, 
give me one sec. <laughs> no worries. This Go is ahead. something that I have to edit out now. So uh, hold on one sec. It's all good. Hi. <laughs> Hi. No, no. Come here. She's like, I'm causing havoc, duh. I'm looking at something. I don't know. <laughs> I think she wanted, yeah, she's laying down now. So. All right. Anyways, a little bonus, bonus material. <laughs> a bonus. <laughs> but um, so I would say because, okay, so if all of this other stuff, it's be, parenting. Uh, I don't want to say this again. I'm not a parent. I don't have yeah. kids. Yeah. I, I just, I. I remember what it was like growing up and I remember how certain things worked and I may have disliked mm -hmm. it at the, at the time, mm -hmm. but I, I look back now and there's certain things that my parents did that I'm like, yeah, I get it. You know what I mean? And then of course, oh, yeah. those things that they did, their parents did. Yeah. And so when I look at that, I'm like, okay, well that makes sense. You know, and at, at some point there, if you keep going back, you realize that there, there are, in fact, certain things that parents did mm -hmm. or used to do when I was a kid or when we were kids that yeah. works. Yes. The problem is, and I don't even think, well, of course, see, now this is where we go kind of down road number two. <laughs> so I would say that society has mm -hmm. told the youth of today that what your parents are doing is wrong. I literally wrote that, that down. Parent, yeah, everything <laughs> that your parents are doing is not socially acceptable. It's not politically correct, and you should be fucking pissed about it. And what mm -hmm. do kids do? They get they get upset about it. And I would also I would also argue that social media has something to do with it because oh, no, sure. not a single generation of human beings alive, or not. Yeah, not one single generation of any human being that has ever lived has ever been exposed to something quite as powerful as social media in yeah. that it is the first form of communication that humans have developed mm -hmm. that quite literally creates no borders. It creates mm -hmm. no borders between nations. It creates no borders between states. It creates mm -hmm. no borders between one, one religion to another. It, I mm -hmm. can literally look up Church of Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster on Instagram, and I guarantee you there's like three pages right now. Like, that's how easy yeah. it is to become exposed to all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I would actually argue that social media... Here, we'll get... Social media has actually become... Again, it's kind of like what you and I were talking about the other day, where communication, when it's invented, isn't necessarily a bad thing. The telephone, yeah. when it was invented isn't just another form of communication that humans made. Mm -hmm. It is inherently not bad, but it can be used for bad things. The radio. Yes. Radio is another form of communication or information um, management. We'll put it that way. I don't want to say manipulation, but it's information mm -hmm. management. It's how yeah. you can call in and da-da-da-da-da-da-da, or, hey, tune in at this time to get information on traffic and weather and blah, blah, blah. Radio isn't inherently evil or bad. It can mm -hmm. be used for that, though. As yeah. you and I were talking about with Hitler. Television. Yeah. 
not inherently bad, but it was used for propaganda in the Soviet Union. Now, Mm -hmm. the next evolution of communication in the 90s was the internet. Yep. And I remember being very young and... (laughs) The, the idea of what the internet was blew my mind. You mean you can yes. talk to so-and-so from somewhere? Yes, you can. Yeah. Cool. Like, it's a cool idea. Again, oh my god, inherent. chat rooms. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, uh, uh, AIM or whatever. AIM? Yes. America oh Online. What? Oh, AOL? I, We're whatever. old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever. I, I don't even know. I, I barely use that. I had, like, two friends that used it. But, oh, um, I, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> uh, but, see, here's the thing. So now... Oh, so now this is where (laughs) this is where I get off on the second trail where I actually start walking down it. So I think I would argue that social media has become almost mm, suppressive Mm. to children and their ability to either mature or grow up. And here's why I would say that, because (laughs) when we were younger... Mm-hmm. And when our parents were younger, and our grandparents, and our great-grandparents, and literally every other generation of human being ever to have lived, mm-hmm. before social media, the way that yeah. we grew up was, your child, you have parents and a family, you would go to school, you had friends at these locations. So, like, for mm-hmm. instance, school, you have a friend yeah. group. When you go to church, you have a friend group. When mm-hmm. you go to sports, you have a friend group. So you have all mm-hmm. these little friend groups in different networks. And mm-hmm. that's basically your, your social media is the fact mm-hmm. that you're not in chat rooms and you're not on, on pages. And yeah. you're not on uh, Instagram profiles with 6,000 people also following this individual. You know what I mean? You're in yeah. groups of people that are, well, I play elementary school baseball. And so mm-hmm. I'm around all these other kids who play elementary school baseball. Like, cool, whatever. Now... Fast forward a little bit to when maturity starts kicking in. So, you know, you're 13, you're 12, 13, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. You start, your body starts going through changes. The hormones in your body are doing X and Y or Y and X. Yeah. Girls are experiencing one thing. Guys are experiencing a whole nother thing. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's drama central Angst. at home. Everything makes you fucking mad. And you're like, why? Why am I mad at this? <laughs> you into your emo stage. <laughs> Literally. And even if you're not emo, you're like, maybe I should be. Because that's the only right. way I can explain the way I'm feeling, man. <laughs> so, but here's the thing. So that is a natural and normal occurrence Yeah. in our species. Mm-hmm. And the way that our behavior is mitigated and corrected is through our parents. Number one, yeah. our parents looking at us from the outside and going, stop being a dumbass. Yes. Get over it. Do this. Mm-hmm. Do that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we get kind of pissed about it at first, but they're right. You know what I mean? Yeah. The other corrective method is also within these other networks, within your other friend groups. Because your Mm -hmm. friends, if they're around the same age as you, they're going through the same fucking shit. Yes. And right around this time, Tower of Babel, some Tower of Babel crap is going on. (laughs) And all these people that you think you're going to be friends with for, oh, we're going to be friends for... No, you're not. I'm sorry. That's the the reality, you know what I mean? So all of you are going through these changes, and these changes are changing the way each of you think, the way each of you feel the way each of you look at each other, 
like mm-hmm. especially like opposite sex and stuff like that you start thinking mm-hmm. about certain mm-hmm. things you know <laughs> now yeah again what is the correction to these behaviors and the, this confusion that's going on in children well it's again it's the parents but it's also yeah. the networks that you're in it's other friends chiming in and going oh you're weird for doing that or saying this or mm-hmm. and, and so there's this almost back and forth between the friends doing certain things that kind of keep you like, oh, okay, like maybe I shouldn't, uh, maybe this isn't who I want to be. Maybe this isn't what I need to be worrying about. And, but then you get all angsty and then you go home and then your parents, you start mouthing off to your parents and doing certain things and then they correct you. So you're like, oh, well, and there's this almost sympathetic pendulum that kind of balances between you you're in the middle and you're be- you're kind of swinging in between like what's going on with your friends and what's going on at home and eventually through you kind of being forced to mature by your parents or by your mm-hmm. friends or by your friends's parents that happened mm-hmm. to me <laughs> like <laughs> like sometimes other people's parents they get involved and they're like hey like listen da 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 Okay, mm-hmm. I get it. All right, cool, cool. So maturity—that's how maturity happens. That's how we grow up. It's a part of getting. It's a part of reaching that milestone of becoming, you know, uh, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. And you're, let's be honest, even when you're twenty, twenty-one, you're still kind of trying to figure yourself out. And there's nothing wrong with yeah. that, you know. Not everyone yeah. gets married at eighteen, and everything's <laughs> fine for the rest of their life. You know, we all can't be that way, and that's fine. You know. Now. Yeah. So. That, that kind of growing up, we'll call it just growing up, right, is normal. Uh-huh. And that's been going on forever since Cain and Abel. Like, let's be honest here. Adam and Eve, they didn't have to go through it. They, oh, no, they got what lucky. What came first, the chicken or the egg? Well, if we're talking about oh. Adam and Eve, the chicken came first. So. <laughs> yeah, yes, the chicken came first. Yeah. But now we introduce, so now back it up and introduce social media into the aspect. Yeah. Now you've got kids, right? Mm-hmm. Now, granted, when we were younger, we had social media, but it wasn't introduced. I wasn't introduced to it until, what, s- late 15, early 16? Yeah, I was going to say, like, MySpace, I probably, oh, my God. I, right? <laughs> I think I had a MySpace at, like, I want to say 15. Yeah, I think you had one before I did. I was kind of late yeah. to it, but that was because my yeah. mom and dad were like, eh. I don't get it. Your parents were smart. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then I got one later on and yeah, that blew up. So, you know, but well, you know, good up for everybody. Let's be honest. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, so at the time you have, again, you have a form of communication Mm -hmm. that inherently it didn't, it didn't really, I want to say it didn't really affect me. I mean, the only people that I was really exposed to were the people who are my friends who then became my friends and I still Mm -hmm. interacted with them. Mm-hmm. outside of meeting them in person you know what i mean yeah so now let's fast forward so let's take social media right We're, we've now introduced social media into this um formula right mm-hmm. and fast forward mm-hmm. to i'm just gonna throw 2018 out there right so okay. now you have the next generation the generation yeah. that is now after us using social media and now they are mm-hmm. starting to, and again, this is where I would argue, this is what I would argue is happening with children nowadays, with the youth nowadays. 
mm-hmm. is they are being introduced to social media because guess what? My parents used social media. Like, yeah. Uh, okay. Cool. Like, I guess, whatever. The problem is now we've got kids and I, and I would argue that this even happened to the later generation of millennial. Okay. So the, the people who are within our millennial group, but way younger, but they're younger. You know yeah. I mean? Like so my brother, <laughs> the 20, the 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, maybe even the 23-year-olds, you know? Mm-hmm. They got introduced into social media. Yeah. However, when they started going through the maturity stage, quote-unquote, and your body is going through all these like, oh, man, angst, and oh, I hate myself, and this and that, and blah, blah, blah. The way it normally worked when we were younger is the natural correction for these behaviors is when you go home and your parents are witness to it. Yeah. Or when you go out and actually socialize and your parents Mm -hmm. or other people's parents witness that and say something about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. The thing is social media has become a way of escapism now. So you have children who are going through maturity who they go to school for eight hours a day or whatever the hell it is now. Like oh my God. they're gone at school all day. They're dealing with all these people that they they're confused about that they don't like, or the people don't like them or they're getting bullied. And then they go home and then what happens? Yeah. They're not, they're not really engaging with their parents anymore. Mm-hmm. So the corrective action isn't being, isn't taking place. Mm-hmm. They're now going on social media where on social media, you could be whatever the hell you want. You yep. can say whatever the hell you want and you will find, you could quite literally say that the moon is a giant plum in the sky. And I guarantee you <laughs> there's probably, there's probably a group out there on Facebook that believes that the, the moon is like half plum or some shit like that. Yeah. Like it's very easy to find people to make you feel good just for mm-hmm. the sake of making you feel good. Yeah. So that corrective action that needs to take place in order for people to mature isn't happening because Mm -hmm. people are, they're disappearing off on social media. Mm -hmm. They're disappearing into whatever persona I feel like embodying today and nobody can tell me otherwise. And that's the other thing is again, (laughs) so we have the issue and the solution being parents. And now we've swung over to social media and society where both, I think, in my opinion, both are the issue. Because yeah. both of them say to the children nowadays, what you're feeling is normal, but you know what? You don't have to put up with anyone's shit. You can feel mm-hmm. however you want. You can be whoever you want. If you want to identify as attack helicopter, hey, you, stop barking. <laughs> if you want to identify as, atta- as an attack helicopter, by all means. If you want to identify as a bar of fucking soap, go ahead. And you know what? Yeah. Guess what? Like, if I if I was listening to this, this podcast... Mm-hmm. Decades ago, when I mm-hmm. was 17, 18, I'd be f- laughing my ass off right now going, nah, you're, you're lying. You're crazy. People don't do that in the future. Yes, they do. Yeah. And that's the funny thing is as much as you want to turn, you know, identifying as a bar of soap into a joke, it isn't a joke now. People do it. No, it's not. And it, I know you and I talked about this on your podcast mm-hmm. about the, remember the chick that was going to college and told the professor I identify as a cat? Yep. Hey, remember what the the professor did? Yes. <laughs> the next day she showed up to class. He made her sit outside and gave her like a bowl of milk. It was like, cats don't come into my, my classroom. You sit out here and you, you want to be a cat? I'm going to treat you like a cat. Oh that, that right there, 
that made the news. Yeah, oh, this professor, and then he got put on leave or something like that. It, that's insane yeah. because what we're seeing happen here, in my opinion, is these kids who aren't fucking maturing are now going mm-hmm. to college where that corrective mm-hmm. action is now taking place. And the parents yeah. aren't doing anything about it because in, in their mind, they're like, well, I mean, you're an adult now. Like, what, what am, what am I, I going to do? Honestly, yeah. like, if, if you want to move out and identify as an attack helicopter, then you know what? <laughs> I think you're stupid. I think you're you need to be whipped upside your head, but you know what? Like whatever. Like, and now we're seeing certain professors or certain classmates or mm-hmm. people within the workplace who are now their coworkers going, "You're off your rocker, kid, and you need to like." So you the corrective action, yeah, we see the corrective action now taking place and the mm-hmm. maturity happening, but it's happening too late. Yeah. For da- for damn sure, like it's happening so late, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And then now, like all of the like parenting aspects are put on to these other people, and that just is like ridiculous because that's not those other people's jobs, right? Like it's the parental yeah. job to have done this corrective behavior at a younger age. Mm-hmm. So I wrote down so many notes as you were talking. Oh, okay. <laughs> But first thing I want to talk about attachment, because you kept talking about, like, the, you know, the different levels of who like, we are attached media, to. Who, yeah, who we are attached to mm-hmm. and, like, how that how that kind of works. And so I wanted to point out, too, like, if you think about social media and how from, like, our generation when we first got it, right? Like you were saying, we still went out and we still hung out. Like, mm-hmm. we, you and I still hung out outside of social media. Yep. Right. Granted, we were involved in the same groups of people. So and granted, that was helpful. <laughs> full disclosure, <laughs> we were homeschooled. <laughs> hey, we were doing it before it was cool, though. So I know we were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Trendsetters. Okay. Anyway, but so you know, again, but we, so we had our church group, right? We had our homeschool group, which mm-hmm. those were some. There was some crossover there, but there was still some different people within those groups. Mm-hmm. But we still spent time outside of that social media realm, Mm -hmm. right? And so we had a different level of attachment. That's where I'm kind of trying to go with this. Then, like, if you fast forward to even our younger siblings, right? Like, Mm -hmm. because they've grown up into more social media, like, in the more in the social media realm. And, well, I mean, granted, all of our our younger siblings have been homeschooled too. But Mm -hmm. still, like, they it's even different for them because there was so much more that was being done via the computer. I'm not saying that like doing online schooling, because I think that that can be beneficial, but Mm -hmm. you know, there's still the aspect of finding that, that attachment and the ability to be able to have those corrective people outside of even being homeschooled. Right. So Mm -hmm. we had co-op groups for those of you who don't know what that is. (laughs) That's a group of different families that come together and either like um, one or two moms will teach a class or we'll hang out. We had park days where we'd all show up at a local park. Oh, my God. I forgot about park day. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) I'm bringing you back. Okay, so we we had park days that we'd all like show up mm. and you know do different activities right and then we would have that connection we would have that time to hang out with our people mm-hmm. 
right? Because we weren't going to school for eight hours a day and we weren't having that kind of interaction. Mm -hmm. Right. So that was our parents' way of still having some kind of Maintaining the social connection. Yes, exactly. If I remember correctly, I think it was actually required by the state because back in the day, Mm -hmm. (laughs) back in the day, God, back in the Mm -hmm. day, you could homeschool, but you had to prove to your respective state that you were in fact schooling them legitimately. So your kids had to be doing like an X amount of work, Mm -hmm. X amount of like social type stuff so you Mm -hmm. had to prove that you were socializing and you also had to prove like are they doing sports are they being active are they oh and we still had to do like sats and stuff like that so it was still very regulated yeah and it very much is even now so it is but it's actually ironically because i'm in this realm now right Mm -hmm. like with my current job so um it's ironically regulated in completely different ways like they don't have to have um as much like social interaction like they didn't know they don't have to prove it like we did yeah Hmm. um so like side note for that like my the school that i'm working with right now like we have to meet with them like once a month um and just kind of like touch base and see how things going but other than that like they don't have to say you know hey i've had my kid doing this blah 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 blah. now if it's like a class so like if they have like physical education pe right Mm -hmm. they can say like hey my kid's doing soccer right which is like a way to prove hey my kid's socializing yeah you know what i'm saying so it's not like in the same aspect of like when we were younger and like our moms literally had to write out well we did this and we did that like this is how we socialize our kids yeah, we didn't have they they don't have to do that now. <laughs> there's there's a little bit of more of a gray area as far as that stuff's concerned, which is kind of nice, um, but also kind of weird because it was so regulated back then, you know, and like now it's just kind of like, OK, whatever. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's so many other regulations that are freaking ridiculous mm. because of the state we live in. Mm-hmm. But well, I'm not going to go off on that tangent either. <laughs> uh, don't, get, don't get me don't get me started on that rabbit hole. So. We'll, we'll avoid that for now and come back to it. We'll avoid episode. that one. That'll be another episode, my people. Okay. So I also wanted to kind of touch on, like, boundaries. Oh, boundaries? Such a, such a horrible word. No, yeah, yeah, boundaries. Like with, um, well, with like, the so kids within, we're talking about? Or yeah, what? like within the kid, like within the realm that we're kind of already talking about. So, like, boundaries and how important that is for, like, social media for the types of attachment that you're allowing your kids to have Mm -hmm. the, you know, just, that's just, I kind of wrote that down, but like there's, you know, if you're not establishing boundaries as a parent, again, I'm not a parent either, but I have a few nieces and nephews. (laughs) So I'm just basing this off of like personal experience and like what I've seen other people in my family do. And then like what my parents did with us. So yeah, Anyway, like, if you don't have those boundaries established with, like, okay, this is appropriate. Again, we're going back to behavior. This is appropriate behavior. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to have these kids that are just out there pushing every little button, mm-hmm. right, to stroke that ego or to, um, you know, try and get the attention because they're not 
they don't have a proper form of attachment with their parents mm-hmm. or with their siblings or whatever because you know society right now is not built for the nuclear family and i know Ooh, you're probably going to yep. tangent mm. about that, that <laughs> um, you said the you said the words nuclear I family i said the words yeah <laughs> the nuclear family um but you're you know like to, you're not allowed to say that, that in 2022 so i'm going to i'm going to oh. cancel you on twitter so what? Totally you're not kidding. even on my Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> like you're not even on my Twitter. <laughs> I hate Twitter, so. No, I know. <laughs> anyway, but you can't like you have if you're looking at the nuclear family, right? And you don't have those boundaries established, then of course, yeah, you're gonna have these kids who are out here being batshit mm. and like pushing all of these different things because, like you said, you don't have that corrective thing happening in the home when it needs to happen when it needs to yeah. happen because <clears throat> you know now and this is another thing that society has effed up um boundaries correction not happening when it's supposed to right yeah so you have all of these kids out there who are pushing all of these things and and then you have society who is pushing it even more mm. and they're getting all like effed up in the head right yeah. and if your parents aren't your parents or even like your grandparents right like aren't helping to correct that behavior then it's just going to continue so like that's where the whole solution aspect comes back in Mm -hmm. right but then you even talked about too like looking back at the generational stuff and you know you mentioned like you're you can see now how certain things your parents did you're like okay i get it yeah same thing with mine Mm -hmm. right like i can look back at things and go Oh, okay. Yeah. I understand Even if you're not why. a parent, you can still look back yeah. at some of like just hmm. Kid mm-hmm. kids look kids are watching. Kids are always watching. Kids always. soak up everything like sponges. And there are mm-hmm. things that I remember my mom and dad doing when I was younger that I'm like they don't they don't even realize it. Yeah. That at the time I was watching. And I made mm-hmm. a mental note of hmm, okay. Only for the the action or whatever it was they were doing to be mm-hmm. repeated by me years later down the road. And I, yeah. I, I mean, I can't think of a, a time off the top of my head, but I know for a fact I've had that, that thought process where I was like, wait a minute, I I'm, mm-hmm. I'm behaving this way and doing this because I watched my parents doing this. Huh? Right. Interesting. Like it's, it, the behavior of your parents usually ends up coming full circle within their children in one way or another. At least, yeah, which is... at least. Mm, that, mm. I'll, <laughs> I'll leave that at there. I won't, I won't try to okay. dissect that. Again, <laughs> um... I, I have to remind myself that when I think about this kind of stuff, I'm usually coming at it from my perspective. Yes. I don't know if kids nowadays really do the same thing. I don't. I, I mean, mm-hmm. most kids are buried in their phones all day. Most kids exactly. are buried in Fortnite all day. Most kids yeah. nowadays are buried in their social media all day and their Twitter and what's going on with politics. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Literally mm-hmm. children who have no reason to be interested in politics are now talking about this stuff like they know. Mm-hmm. And so it makes me it makes me curious as to, well, are you paying attention to what your parents are actually trying to teach you? Or is your mm-hmm. focus in the wrong spot? So. Yeah, exactly. So I want to, okay, we're going to go back to our young little babies, right? That we were talking about earlier. <laughs> and so, okay, you have younger siblings, um, you know, so you can probably think back and like, 
remember what it was like like when they were first starting to either walk crawl talk right whoa so example if you know if you were trying to help your youngest sibling right Mm -hmm. um learn to say a specific word what would you do like how would you help them Mm. learn that word i would make them mimic the mm-hmm. not only the mouth movement but like the sound yep so so um <laughs> do you see where i'm going so, with this <laughs> like going so look at my mouth it's ah mm-hmm. ah like apple apple yeah so go yeah. ah 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 and s- ass yes <laughs> <laughs> guilty 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 yep. guilty as charged um, okay, so right, so you're you. It was done through repetition mm-hmm. and mimicking what else that person was doing. Mm-hmm. Same thing with what you're talking about with looking back and seeing how your parents did things and you seeing yourself do it now. Yeah. Right. There's a reason that everybody jokes about you becoming your parents at some point down the line, right? Mm-hmm. And you know where you touched on that before too, like with if it's something that you didn't want to do, right? You try so hard and you go the opposite extreme and you don't ever want to do that with your kids, yeah. right? But then again, at some point, there's still going to be those things that come out, right? Mm-hmm. Where, you know, like maybe, I mean, I, I just, just can be an example, okay? Like, so my parents spanked us. I don't mm-hmm. personally care. I'm probably, well, no, I'm not, it's not probably, I'm going to be spanking my own children, mm-hmm. right? But <laughs> there are other people who I know personally who whose parents spanked them and they don't want to do that, mm-hmm. right? Because they just felt like that was too extreme. There should have been it other was, forms um, of discipline. I've heard the, it's primitive. Yeah. Uh, oh my God. Okay. Anyway, there's a difference between discipline and abuse, and that mm-hmm. is a whole another topic that yeah. we're not going to go. We're on. not even gonna, but not even gonna cover. Not that even now. to touch that. But there is a huge difference between discipline and abuse. Mm-hmm. And so, anyway, but see, that's the other thing too that I think parents, have, because of generational issues, right, mm-hmm. weren't always taught, like, hey, every kid's different. And sometimes disciplining in this way isn't going to work for this kid. Yeah. Right? Now, okay, spanking worked totally, totally for me. But when I got older, the bigger thing for me was taking away my book. Like, because I love to read. (laughs) Right? So it was a huger impact. Huger? It was a bigger impact (laughs) on me for my parents to take away my books than to spank me. Right. And so now, now did they realize this? No, I actually told them. Huh. Like, I realized it myself because my mom threatened it one day and I was like, What? Like you're gonna take away my book? And she was like, Yeah, blah blah blah. Right. Like she went off on a thing because I was being disrespectful. Of right. Course. And so cause hashtag teenage girl. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so you know, so she was like, I'm gonna take away your books and that was just so devastating to mortifying me. Yeah. you know like like horrifying i looked at her and i was like i would rather you spank me as a teenager okay mm-hmm. and 
she just kind of like cocked her head and was like, what? And I was like, please don't take away my books. Like, you know, spank me. Right. But then she realized, and cause I had already realized it, but then, you know, that helped her realize, wait a minute, threatening to take away like my books was a bigger deal than just, you know, telling me, Oh, well, you're going to have to wait till your father gets home. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, you know, that was a thing too is so after that point, like my parents would actually ask me what they felt, what I, sorry, not what I felt my punishment should be, hmm. what my discipline should be. And so, you know, at that point in time too, it was like cell phones were becoming a thing yep. and, you know, and like that kind of stuff too. So I, I got to actually pick my punishment like later on in life, like later, like mid teens, right? Yeah. You know, and so it was just kind of like, okay, I won't read tonight, you know, or like, mm -hmm. <laughs> or like I won't be on my phone or like, you know, whatever, right? But see, I think that that comes like with the maturity thing too, is realizing what's actually going to have an effect on my behavior and changing that behavior. Mm -hmm compared to just sticking with one thing yeah right yeah I and agree. so like if we're gonna now we're flashing back forward to current kids right yeah what do they do when you take away their phone what do you what do they honestly do when... i don't really know <laughs> oh okay well you because you don't have nieces and nephews I, I don't yet, have nieces so. or nephews <laughs> i know people with kids but they they're the it's like yeah cool hey what's up oh you got your kids are here cool well, I'm tired of looking at your kids, so I'm going to go home now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go hang out with my other single Yeah, I'm going to go home and pet friends. my dog. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, okay, I'll give you, I'll tell you exactly what they do. They mm -hmm. freak the, uh, the F out, right? They, they just freak out because that's their communication. That's their connection. Interesting. They, yeah. Like, I, well, my family doesn't really listen to my podcast, so it's fine. But mm -hmm. anyway, I have seen my nieces. Uh, was well, more so the older the oldest niece, but um, just completely break into a tangent and mm. like tantrum and just freaking out because she got her phone taken away, she got her computer taken away, and she got wait, her iPad wait, wait. taken away. Computer? Wait, what? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So she has her own computer. Um, well, cause, okay, so this is my sister's kid. Oh, right? okay. I was going to say, I was going to say, which sibling are we talking about here? So, cause I was, I was Sorry, thinking, sister. okay, I was thinking your brother and I was like, no, no, wait, no, what? Not... <laughs> no, no, no. She doesn't have a computer. No, okay. they, they're very, they're very strict in that house on how much time mm -hmm. they get to have like computer and stuff, which is good. Yeah. I would, um, but the older two, I'd be doing the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Me too. But the older two, it's a little different. Um, just because like. So my, my brother-in-law games, they game with him. Mm -hmm. So they each have their own computer and, uh, you know, like whatever. But That's interesting. That's like, it's almost like, it's almost like they're the bridge between two generations. The older, really older generation and then the very, very mm -hmm. younger generation that is, huh. Yeah. I, I've never, well, okay, cause... I've never heard of something like that before. So that's kind of. <laughs> so that wait it is... so they he games and his parents game with him well so um that's kind of no, cool no, no, no. <laughs> i'm a geek well so. i mean yeah i'm sorry i mean like my brother-in-law he games the kids game with him Go gotcha okay no, now i understand yeah, yeah, gotcha. yeah. okay 
Yeah, so the kids game with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of funny that you say that, though, because they are still kind of like a bridge because... Um, so my youngest brother and my nephew are only four years apart. Hmm. So, you know, they're... They're the same almost friend group. They're, yeah, they're the same friend group. They don't have, like, the uncle-nephew type relationship. Yes. Hmm. And it's even funnier because... My, like my niece, right? His, my nephew's younger sister, they're six years apart, but it's the same, it's very similar type of relationship with my youngest brother and her, even though he still has, quote, some kind of authority, right? And she sees yeah. him as some kind of authority figure, but it's still more of like an older brother relationship instead of yeah. uncle. You know what I'm saying? And because that makes sense. they're. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they're so they're clo- they're a lot closer in age, mm-hmm. right? Because he's ten years younger than me. He's eight years younger than our other brother, mm. right? So it's he is literally like right in the middle of the generations. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, I know, right? Crazy, weird to think about. <laughs> well, it, I mean, kind of. But what I what I was just thinking about just now is for people like us who are in our thirties who don't have kids. Uh-huh. Yeah. The same thing would kind of happen, which yep. is really weird to think about because I, I guarantee you that whenever I have children one day, and I, you know, it, I, I'm not dismissing it. I, I would like for it mm-hmm. to happen. I'm not. I'm pretty sure my whoever I'm supposed, whoever my soulmate is, I'm pretty sure they're not in California right now. So oh, you know, same. <laughs> but it, and this is something that I was just thinking about as you're describing it is. No matter when you or I or people who are our age, who are mm-hmm. in our gener, who are a part of our generation, if they're mm-hmm. in the same boat as us and they don't have children, mm-hmm. if they end up having children later, the same thing would happen. They yep. would have children born into the new generation of children, mm-hmm. but they would function as the bridge between the two. Yep. So it's almost like 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 they're a part of the new generation but they wouldn't be because their parents mm-hmm. are a result of the 90s or a result of the early 2000s and stuff like that mm-hmm. so i was just thinking about that and well that's hmm. like a really good point though because like if you look at like like i i would lump us in this this kind of bridge too like if you think of you and i as quote millennials right yeah. but we we technically are like we're millennials but yeah, i feel like per the we, definition we're the yeah. definition of a millennial. <laughs> like, based on our age, right, we're a millennial. But mm-hmm. based on how we were raised and, like, the other aspects of that, I feel like we fit more Gen X. Mm-hmm. You get what and, I'm saying? Yeah. Like, we're, we don't, quote, su- subscribe to, like, the traditional millennial. Yeah. And, um, you know, and so, like, that in that aspect, I feel like we're the bridge, too. Mm-hmm because of how just how our parents raised us Mm -hmm. and i think like you were saying that it's gonna happen like with our own kids because we're gonna have them eventually Mm -hmm. (laughs) like you know our own kids they're going to be in whatever that generation is right like aa or whatever it is i don't even know what the new one's supposed (laughs) to be called but (laughs) like the that generation but they're gonna be raised more like how we were yeah almost almost stuck Mm -hmm. in a um 
like almost suspended in a within a generation of time that they're going to be familiar yeah. with because because mm -hmm. th like that's something that i've already thought about is like well i mean again i i kind of think about it again i'm not i i'm not worried about it right now i could care less you know yeah. about finding a wife and settling down like it's just not in the cards <laughs> for me right now but yeah when i think about it it's like if I do end up having kids, then those kids will end up being almost suspended in their own unique time period because they will be mm -hmm. products or members of the modern world at that time, but products mm -hmm. of my time. And, pr mm -hmm. and thus, because of how I was raised and because of what I was exposed to as a child, they will also be products of the 80s and yes. <laughs> kind of the 70s. And a little bit of the 60s, because I remember being younger and spending time with my grandmother, who mm -hmm. was a badass. Like, <laughs> she was, oh my god, I, I got stories for her for days, but I'll, I'll save those for for another time. But she yeah. was, she loved, I remember I would ride with her, and she loved, like, oldies. She loved, like, mm -hmm. old R&B, like, from way back in the day. Like, old soul, basically. Like, soul. Yeah. Like, before there was R&B, there was soul. And she liked soul. Mm -hmm. um, she liked classic soft rock and stuff like that. Um, oh she also God, liked yeah. Elvis. So there was a lot of that exposure when I would be with her. And then, of uh -huh. course, there was my mom and dad who are... They were in high school in the 80s. So 80s <laughs> hair band, 80s metal, 80s rock. You know, not, not, not so much. You know, I wasn't allowed to listen to Metallica when I was younger. <gasps> but, you know, oh, how dare they? Like... But what? <laughs> but when I got older, of course, they realized, well, Josh is going to listen to whatever he wants to listen to. He and you know what? To. If he's yeah. choosing to listen to the 80s music, perfect, because that's when I grew up. Mm -hmm. um, but there was also my uncle. And my uncle mm -hmm. also, he was very much into like the Eurobeat of the late oh. 80s and 90s. Because he was in high school, I think, end of the 80s, beginning of the 90s. And okay. he used to have long i mean down to his mm. ass curly red hair and he Holy. played guitar he actually wrote me a rock song when i was born Aww. yeah i actually have a rock song named after me like i, I don't That's i don't so know cool. where it is it's on a it's on a tape somewhere but um okay and he was he he liked rock but he also liked the Eurobeat. he was very much into like electronic music um mm -hmm. and he was a part of the rave scene back in its infancy and even then he really wasn't like into it but when yeah. raves first started becoming like kind of popular him mm -hmm. and my aunt were there they were like oh this is what a rave is okay this is i like the music but these people are kind of weird like and he'll, yeah, he'll tell you stories all nuts. day about like <laughs> it was weird but that was just the music that i was into at the time so there's all this exposure that i mm -hmm. had as a young kid and to be honest that is, that is, I am a product of the modern world mm -hmm. at that time, but my personality is almost suspended in who my mom and dad were, in my grandparents, yep. and in my uncle. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, same, I mean, same thing for me. I, like, my grandfather, I love, like, the old school country, like Conway Twitty. Ah! Johnny Cash and like, you know, all those, all those greats because of the same things, right? Mm -hmm. Like I would sit in front of my grandfather's record player. Yes. Record player. Yeah. And he would just put it on. 
Mm-hmm. And we just sit there and listen to music. So same thing. I'm not going to go off on a, on a tangent yeah. about all of that. But like, same, now we're getting into stuff, more right? like so, behavior. Yeah, and yeah, like yeah. Where exactly. Where we but, can kind of pinpoint behavior coming from. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that can we, kind of tie into mental health. I guess it, it does. I, I would. <laughs> because it does because our behavior again again we're at the time we would have been kids and kids are sponges who are seeing this behavior Mm -hmm. of parents aunts uncles grandparents you know this is Mm -hmm. long before i'm talking the area the period of my time where yeah i had friends but going Mm -hmm. and hanging out with them wasn't something i was concerned about because i was well before the age of 13 at this time and so yeah. your main exposure at that time is basically learning the foundation of who you are and who you are is basically your you are your parents that is yeah. who you are and you'll never truly go away from that um mm-hmm. so yeah not I, truly yeah go ahead so uh, i was just gonna say there i'm writing another note mm-hmm. <laughs> um but like i'm not saying that there's not hope in healing right because there are some things that some of us have been through that are you know very traumatic and very devastating and have played like major roles in how we handle specific situations yeah right like my own personal mental health journey right Mm -hmm. like i'm in therapy right now i'll be honest with everybody i'm in therapy and i'm dealing with stuff that happened in my past and stuff that's simu- like more current. Um, but, you know, I mean, obviously it's still my past, but mm-hmm. stuff that would happen when I was younger versus stuff that happened like in my teen years. Yeah. Right. And I had to come to a point personally where I realized that in my own way, I was living as a victim mm-hmm. and I hated it. And so my process right now, right, is like going to therapy and dealing with that. I'm, you know, I'm diving into the Bible. I'm doing all these other things that I'm trying to heal my whole person, not just like my mental health, not just my mind, right? I'm trying to heal my whole person. And I feel like that is another thing that, you know, society gets stuck on, right? Because we we live in a fallen world Mm -hmm. and, (laughs) you know, and so people don't, have i mean some people do like they have like a spiritual like aspect right but they don't pay attention to the fact that our mind our body and our spirit are all connected so if you have something physically wrong with you that's going to affect your mental health that's going to affect your spirit right if you're not spiritually like inclined or you just don't pay attention to the spiritual realm at all or like anything like that you're still going to have issues with your mental health and your body of course if you have issues like you have um a chemical imbalance and you have legitimate depression right because your your brain is chemically imbalanced right and i'm trying to say this in a semi pc way but also be kind Mm -hmm. (laughs) um right like so you have those issues going on right you're still going to have physical issues and spiritual issues because again it's all connected and i feel like some people will go to therapy and not work on their physical health they'll go to therapy and not work on their spiritual health right or whatever or they won't go to therapy but they'll like go work out for hours upon hours upon hours but still Mm -hmm. struggle because you know those endorphins only last so long 
you know? That's why you have to work out every day. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you were going to think that. Oh, my God. Anyway, but I, I just wanted to bring that up, though, because I feel like... For, for me, again, this is my pers- my personal thing. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I was going to church for all these years and, you know, praying and doing all this stuff and still feeling like I was struggling mm-hmm. with all of this stuff, right? Yep. And it, you know, wasn't until I got into therapy and started, and started really unpacking, like, why I make the choices I make. Um, why I feel a certain way when somebody says something, um, you know, why I react to different family members it, because of different situations, right? When I really started to unpack that, I realized how, like, I was holding on to all of these different things because I was comfortable in my own chaos. Hmm. And I know, right? Huh? <laughs> Light bulb moment. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I think that is another aspect that the general society is stuck on. Everybody's comfortable with their chaos. And they can, you know, we can, I can sit here and tell you horror stories about the things that I've been through, right? And, you know, have, try and get empathy and sympathy because it makes me feel better. But that's not the point of me trying to share my story, right? Mm -hmm. The point of me trying to share my story is to get other people to realize that you can find healing Mm -hmm. through all of that. And so, but you can't stay stuck. Of course. You can't stay in this victim mindset of, well, everybody's going to treat me away. This all or nothing thinking. My my therapist keeps having me change my all or nothing thinking. And I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> like, cause you know, like the thought process of, well, they've always done it that way. Yeah. Okay. But that's not, that's not <clears throat> accurate. Right. Because there was that one time that it didn't happen like that. Yeah. So the proper way to say that is more often than not, this is what happened. Right. And so the more that I've been changing that thinking and it's like, even in the moment, like I'll start to say something and I'm like, crap, hang on, let me reframe. Right. And then I'll say it the other way. And it instantaneously takes that like feeling of anxiety or feeling of like frustration and just brings it back down because Mm -hmm. I have like, I've, I've been trying to change the thinking within my brain. Right. Because that's where, we get off on like, you know, all of these issues and we get stuck in like feeling depressed or we get stuck in feeling super anxious because, you know, it's been that way every time. Or, of like, course. You know, right. And I'm an overthinker. And like, I, hello. I would even argue mm. that that is, that is a mindset that most men actually have just naturally. I think that's mm. uh, 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 just like you said, being comfortable in chaos. I would imagine, yeah. I would argue that even for men, it's, Ooh, and even veterans. Ooh, we can go into that. I mean, I, I wanted to bring up veteran mental health, but I know we've been yes, talking I about... Yes, I did too. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll get to that. I did but too. I, when you say that, it makes me immediately think of quite literally every man I've ever known growing up, mm-hmm. you know, at me from the position of me as a, a young boy to looking at mm-hmm. the older men in my life mm-hmm. and the men who are in my life now be they yeah. friends or mentors they are mm-hmm. almost all of them 
mm-hmm. are living in chaos, not necessarily mm-hmm. uh, manifest by themselves. It's usually yeah. a product of wife, kids, work, military mm-hmm. career, work career, uh, school, yeah. getting a doctorate, you know, insert life occurrence here. Yeah. But the, the mm-hmm. again, I don't want to say it's a problem. <laughs> but the thing is, it's just like most of the time because of the position of men, traditionally, uh, mm-hmm. of being required to be providers, yeah. there is no time to really sit down and think critically about your mental health. You just, you mm-hmm. have to do what you have to do. And unfortunately, yeah. most of the time that in, that just means that, you know what? I need to wake up, I need to go to work, I need to make this bread, come home, spend some time with my family, fall asleep mm-hmm. and do it all over again. And you know what? Yeah. And, and, and that's something that even my uncle has mentioned a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, because my grandpa so okay so my mom my mom's parents are my grandpa and grandma but they Mm -hmm. divorced my grandma got Mm -hmm. remarried to my grandpa john right they had my uncle john so my mom my mom yeah you remember my 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 mom and my uncle are actually half siblings Mm -hmm. so when i when I was talking to my uncle recently, and this was something that I, I barely, well, not barely, I do actually, I barely remember my step-great-grandpa, um, mm-hmm. who was a war vet. Uh, he okay. was basically a spy, if I remember correctly, for in World Ooh. War II. I think I told you he used to fly the spy yeah. planes over Japan and take pictures. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, my only really solid memory of him was on his deathbed when we walked in there and he oh you fucking japs i'll kill all of you because oh. oh, he was shot down right before the yeah, end of the he... war he was shot down mm-hmm. captured captured by the ja- mm-hmm. uh the japanese tortured and then world war ii ended and he had to he had he was released so but mm-hmm. when it comes to my actual like step-grandfather my grandpa john vi- yeah at the time when i was young he was an asshole. He was sarcastic. He was like very passive aggressive. Just like okay. like typical pro- typical father figure uh, from the 70s. Just oh, like he used to okay. go and pick up my mom and my uncle from from school in the old uh, I think it was a Bronco and he'd be uh-huh. smoking smoking reds in the front seat and he'd have a uh, uh, coffee and whiskey in his mug oh. in the cup in the cup holder and he'd go and pick up the kids like oh get in the get in the fucking truck let's go <laughs> like that was oh him my you know God. and yeah i remember being a kid and he used to smoke around me mm-hmm. and he's like eh, if you don't like it go out in the back <laughs> you know he's a total <laughs> a-hole but the thing is when i think about him now as an adult oh my god yeah. oh and he was a veteran so yeah. like <laughs> So when I think about him now, I even told my grandpa or my my uncle, I was like, dude, I would have, I would have been, I would have been buddy buddy with that fucker. And my my uncle's yeah. like, yeah, dude, he would have loved you, and you would have, lo- oh man, you guys would have been buddy buddy. And I was, it, you know what? It's lost because he passed away a long time ago. I think he passed away in like ninety yeah. nine. Um, oh wow. Yeah, it was a while ago, but that's what I remember of him. Um, yeah. And where I'm kind of coming back to this is that. You know, my 
my grandpa John and even mm-hmm. my grandpa Bob, both of them as men, when they were working, they just worked. Yeah. And they did what they had to do. There was no, like, chasing your dream, you know what I mean? And I think a lot of mm-hmm, people, they get mm-hmm. hung up on that nowadays. It's like, do the thing. Chase your dreams. Dreams, uh, uh, yeah. Dreams are this, da-da-da-da, you know, whatever. And my uncle, and it the reason why I brought up my grandpa John is because what my uncle John told me, I felt like he would have told me had I brought this up to him nowadays. And it's that... You know, for the longest time in my life growing up, you know, as a man, you know, I never I never really felt like I had made it as a man until my dad mm-hmm. started treating me as a friend. And that's yeah. kind of like where you realize you've crossed the apex of your growth and your parents recognize <laughs> you as a peer. And like, that's yeah. cool. Like, I can understand that. But the thing is, mm-hmm. though, like, even if you've done that, some men don't feel that they have made themselves adequate in the world around them so they haven't achieved their dreams they haven't done the thing they haven't said the thing they haven't married the person that they they wanted to marry Mm -hmm. when they were growing up you know they they wanted the picket fence and this and that and that isn't necessarily what they got you know whatever so i was actually Mm -hmm. talking about this with my uncle and what he said actually really stuck with me is that you know what the idea of chasing your dreams is great and all when you're younger but when you become a man and you become an adult you realize very quickly that you don't have you don't have that um, that privilege anymore. You have left mm. childhood behind. And when you've left mm-hmm. childhood behind, usually what goes with it is dreams. Everything mm-hmm. you've ever dreamed about doing usually dies with your childhood. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with your dreams dying when you're a kid, but there's also not, nothing wrong with actually chasing your dreams. However, you do have to be realistic with them. And my uncle was yeah. telling me, he said something to the effect, I can't remember exactly what he said, but he said something to the effect of, Everyone nowadays, you know, with all this feel-good shit going on, everyone wants to chase their dreams again. And mm-hmm. to be honest, it's just not realistic. He's like, my my dad and my grandpa, I remember growing up. This is him talking, by the way. So he's like, I remember yeah. my dad and my grandpa growing up. They never achieved their dreams. Oh, fuck mm-hmm. no. They, they had to do what they had to do as men to provide for their family. And you know what? They may not have achieved their dreams, but they found... They found peace and they found what made them content with their life Mm. and their way of (laughs) providing. So he's like, so when it comes to chasing your dreams and like your dream job, nah, I don't think it's about chasing your dream job. I just think it's about finding, finding your peace. And unfortunately, that's really hard for men because there are so many other things that play into finding your peace as a man. There's, Mm -hmm. you know, like I mentioned earlier, it's having the dream wife, having the dream home, having the dream job, having the dream... Stop, stop, stop. All of the men that I knew growing up didn't have dreams, didn't have their dream jobs. They simply worked and worked and worked until they were Mm -hmm. able to be comfortable and then they kept that comfort for as long as possible and they sustained that comfort for as long as possible for their family. And you know Mm -hmm. what? Maybe that's where fulfillment comes in for men. Maybe that is where... I don't know... We could, we could go on a whole tangent about men's mental health and even veterans' mental health because I think that that mindset and that solution, kind of, yeah. I'm using air quotes, by the way, that solution can also be applied <laughs> to vets. Oh, well, yeah. I got out of the military and because I said, you know, eat the apple, fuck the core, and I got out and mm. I wanted to do a dream job, blah, 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 and you know what? You don't get the fucking dream job. At some point, you yeah. have to just kind of go, you know what? It's not about finding the dream. 
It's about finding what I'm content with and what yeah. I can, you know, make something. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and I agree with a lot of what you were saying. And again, like being a female, I can't look at it from your perspective. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's helpful. That I mean, you, you can like, if you identify. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I, I couldn't even, I'm sorry. I couldn't even finish that sentence. So. Shut up. I'm smacking you through the computer right now. <laughs> I had to do it. If you were in person, I would hit you. Of okay, course. anyway. Um, but no, I don't identify as a man. Thank you. I, I might identify. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> okay, wait. Quick story about that, though. Okay. It's hilarious. I think people will think it's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so a mutual friend of ours went and I went to the movies. I'm not going to name names. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we went to the movies, both female and um she's the one with the daughter so you should yes. know who i'm talking about i already knew who anyway, you're talking about okay, so. <laughs> okay i figured but anyway so because we have other mutual friends too mm-hmm. but i wasn't sure if you anyway whatever we went to the movies and they had closed the women's bathroom and hmm. the movie was about to start and both of us were like are you kidding me and they're like yeah well uh you can go like next door to one of the restaurants because we were down at the plaza yeah okay and so you know there's all those like little places right there and i was like literally the Mm. movie is starting in five minutes i'm not walking somewhere else to go pee and you know and so i was like are you gonna stop me from using the guy's bathroom and she just kind of looked at me and i was like i identify as a male bye and well our mutual friend was like are you kidding me right now and i was like "Uh uh-uh honey i have to pee and i do not want to get up in the middle of this movie And right, and so because they finally opened up the women's bathroom, and she's mm. like, "Okay, I'm coming," and so there was another like woman like walking towards us too, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Honey, you have to follow us. We all identify as males today." And she was like, "What?" And I was like, "The women's bathroom's closed," and I like because you know it's like a wide like thing in that movie theater okay. anyway. But so that was hilarious, and so That's the great. workers were just like, "Uh," and they couldn't stop yeah, me though. They I was can't like, stop I identify you. As a male. They they're they're new. <laughs> Most employers nowadays, they have the new tolerance doctrine where it's like, you know what? If this person wants to do that, we really can't stop them. We can't say anything. I mean, I mean, even think about like, well, again, this is we're talking specifically in California employer or uh, places of employment can't even stop people in California from stealing things. I know. Because we don't want to. I don't even know what the excuse would be for that, honestly. But I just know know. that what you can steal $899 worth of stuff and not be prosecuted. But as soon as you go a dollar over, you can be, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It's so stupid. But anyway, so to to finish the rest of the story, because it was even funnier. No, 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 it's totally fine. Um, (laughs) We didn't know if there was any guys in there or not. And so I go walking in making a bunch of noise. And I was like, three women on the floor. And there was a dude in a stall. And I was like, you know what? I don't even care. At least he wasn't standing at the urinal. But I still would have gone. But that would have been a little bit more awkward. Yeah. Right? And so (laughs) I was just like, sorry, there's three women in here. They closed the women's bathroom. But, you know, we really had to go. And, like, whatever. He never said a word. Never said a freaking word. Because you're not (laughs) supposed to talk to dudes who are sitting on the shitter. That's kind of like like an unspoken rule. The only time you talk to a man who's sitting on the shitter is if you are in the adjacent shitter next to him and you happen to run out of toilet paper. And then and only then it is is it acceptable to then go, "Hey buddy, is there an extra roll over there?" And oh one of two things will happen. 
Either the man sitting yeah. next to you will hand you the roll without saying anything. Yeah. Or he will either hand you a roll and say something, or he'll just straight up tell you, uh, uh sorry, bud. And, and that's about it. Most guys just want to be left alone while sitting on the shitter, so. No, I know, but it was so funny. <laughs> we were dying. So all three of us, you know, we all went pee, and then we washed our hands and then walked out, and our mutual friend was like, I cannot believe we just did that. And I was like, girl, you had to pee, too. And she's like, I know. And, but it was so, it was hilarious. But that even brings up a whole nother point about, like, the differences, right? The it's social like, acceptance. The social acceptance. If we you, talked the whole time. If you had, a, <laughs> if you had flipped the, um, flipped the situation. Yeah. That, mm, if it would have been me going, wait, you closed the men's bathroom? Yeah, sorry, da, da, da. Mm-hmm. Well, can I go in the women's bathroom? Oh my God. Yeah, there probably would have been cops deal. outside the door within like yep. 20 minutes. I don't know. Probably. <laughs> no, yeah, it probably yeah. wouldn't have taken that long. It would, um, I would not have been looked at nearly as favorably as you did. Yeah. So. yeah. Which is a really great point. But on like in within that too is like we women talked the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> we Bunch just ignored of weirdos, the man. God, I don't know how you, do, I don't know how you do it. I need, I need to muster all the concentration I can. And I usually contemplate life while sitting. So, and when I'm at the urinal, I usually contemplate my day. It's less, it's less, it's less complete, or I'm sorry, when you're standing up, Uh it is less complex critical thinking. When a man is sitting down and taking a shit, he's usually contemplating life or writing out a movie script in his head. So. One of two things. <laughs> oh my god, that's a really good point. <laughs> when else is he gonna do it? I know. <laughs> when he's trying to trace his, well, chase his dreams and shit. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. That brings us back around to all of that. Yeah. Who knew that my story would take us right back into all of that? Deep <laughs> rabbit trails, people. We rabbit we trails. rabbit trail, but we it all it all still kind of boop 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 boop. It all still flows, back. you know. Like it will all come back. But so, that brings us back into that, though. Mm-hmm. Like you know, with guys and their mental health and then even trying to chase the dreams and like all that stuff and trying to balance and I can even throw boundaries back in there, right? Like of having that set time or trying to have as hard as you can to have that set time, right? Like let's flash back to my parents, okay? My dad, you know, when I was younger, he was working like crazy because you know three young kids and trying to provide my mom didn't work at that point in time um and so you know he was gone a lot Mm -hmm. and then there was one time a year every like every uh either september or october or november he would leave and go hunting oh of course that was his Mm -hmm. time and so when we got to a certain age, he would take us with us so then we could be with him, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he was making a conscious effort of sharing something that he loved, even if we didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. But, you know, even if we didn't like it, he was still trying to bring us in and find that time to have his time, mm-hmm. but also spend time with us. Yeah. Right? And it also puts and into then... perspective what exactly mm-hmm. dad is doing when he is gone hunting. Yes. Because, of yeah. course, kids have a very especially when we were growing up, our idea of hunting was very limited. There weren't mm. hunting. Oh, okay. So that thing Elmer Fudd does on Looney Tunes or 
that or thing like that was Bambi? going. Uh, th- that's oh my god! I was just gonna bring that up. Oh, that thing <laughs> that they did to Bambi—that sounds kind of mm-hmm. mean. But when you actually introduce your children to it, it's a completely mm-hmm. like. Yeah, and you know what's and you know what's cool. Even mothers do it if they are like stay-at-home moms. They do the exact same thing. Everything that mom is into, is exposed to the children who then realize, oh, like so my mom does. Like for me, for instance, my mom liked music growing up. Her favorite mm-hmm. band is Journey. That is always, ah! until the day I die, is always going to be a a yes. very specific detail about my mother because she likes mm-hmm. Journey. And you know what? By mm-hmm. proxy, me and all my brothers like, well, I still like Journey. Like, my younger, yeah. my well, youngest you're... brothers probably don't, which is fine. Like, I get it. But Yeah. I love Journey. <laughs> if you don't like Sorry, Journey... Taking me... <laughs> cancel yourself no go on your twitter right, right now and cancel yourself <laughs> no it's just taking me back to like bunko and um being with all the moms because i was the young like female that would hang out with all the moms mm-hmm. right and same thing right we would all how those women shaped me right because of their there are different influences and stuff, but we listened to music a lot. And of course, yep. Journey was always playing because, like, your mom was there, my mom was there. We, like, I've always loved Journey yeah. too. And they were all reasons, roughly right? products of the same time period. So, roughly, even mm-hmm. though my mom was a little bit older, yes, but they're still products of the same time. Mm-hmm. Like, same, same thing like us being a bridge. Like, even though there's a little bit of an age gap, I know, well, I don't remember how old your mom is, but whatever. Anyway, like, there's still a little <laughs> bit of a gap there. It's fine. There's still, yeah, there's still a little bit of a gap. Like, she's not Mm -hmm. as old as my mom. Yeah. Um, But, you know, there's still, there's still products of the same thing. So, um, I was going to say something else about. I was going to try and tie that into veteran mental health. Because if you think about it, veteran mental health, a lot of Mm -hmm. the more recent cases that we've seen, at least Mm -hmm. from my point of view, I'm more obviously a part of that. Um, Yeah. Usually, and even the mental health issues that I know of that are currently Mm -hmm. happening, again, not going to say names, (laughs) that either have happened in the past during my military career or even after I got out or stuff Mm -hmm. that's going on right now with friends who are veterans, almost all of the mental issues, Mm -hmm. like, let's just throw depression out there. Let's just get that out of the way. Um, Specifically with depression, it has to do with family. And that's just what I'm Mm. noticing is, and I think, I think a lot of veteran mental health stems from being in the military and being told that you are a part of something that is this Mm -hmm. great, fantastic, yada, da, yada, da, um, all of the pieces of the machine are as, uh, uh, are as important as the machine itself. You know, yeah. so you, you, you're, you go into the military having this, well, oh, if the institution says that I'm this important, then it must be true. You know what I mean? And of course, there is yeah. some importance to it. You know what I mean? Like I, when mm-hmm. I think back to what I was in charge of and the, the type of responsibility I was given, it's you you put that plate of responsibility down in front of a 18 19 year old nowadays and they'll flip they will utterly yeah they will be like what the i'm not this is crazy you expect me to do what but in Mm -hmm. my mind it's like and you're bitching about this why like this is this is Mm -hmm. normal to me this is this is just Mm -hmm. another fucking tuesday 
You know what I mean? And I, I remember <laughs> yeah. getting out. And again, like I was mentioning earlier, it's like the idea of I didn't have this mentality when I got out. But mm -hmm. my mentality about it now is eat, uh, uh, eat the apple, but fuck the core. In that mm. I genuinely loved my time in. I genuinely loved the Marines that I served with. And I genuinely loved all the, all everything that I learned there. Not only from people who are basically mentors, but ba mm -hmm. people who are my chiefs, people who are my corporals, from my peers, who are by proxy, they are people who, again, the, 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 the elimination of boundaries, like we mentioned earlier with social media. So yeah. the, we, you're encountering these people from America, mm -hmm. but cultures in America that you've never even been exposed to. Yes. I, 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 my first roommate in the fleet was a Puerto Rican. I didn't even, I never even thought about it. Like, oh yeah, Puerto Rico. Somebody from Puerto yeah, Rico. Somebody from Puerto Rico can actually <laughs> join the military. I guess that makes sense. Like, I knew it was yeah. a territory, but I never really like put two and two together. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, um, of course. I knew guys in the military who had never, they grew up in like upstate New York and they had never seen a black person. Mm, just, right, mm. yeah. And I think I mentioned that on the previous episode. And it's being yeah, exposed to all these different things. But yeah. where that plays into this, the, the, I guess you could even throw in the whole suicide thing there, is mm -hmm. when you've been exposed to all this stuff, you become important in a way. You become, and there's nothing wrong with that, there, you become, yeah. you have a level of importance and you have a level of respect that has, been, it has been earned. And it hasn't just been earned by anybody. It's been earned by people who have, endured and suffered and bled and 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 passed out um mm -hmm. and have even almost almost died for this mm -hmm. same job that you have and these same responsibilities and mm -hmm. like i used to tell people like i i used to i used to run with heroes and walk with mm -hmm. titans i used to wrestle with the modern day gladiators you know what i mean i yeah. used to literally choke gladiators out and by proxy get choked <laughs> out like <laughs> very <Yeah. laughs> now so you take this this culture and again i'm mm -hmm. kind of speaking specifically for the marines here because the marines is more quote-unquote warrior culture as a yeah. whole the army has mm -hmm. a warrior culture but it's more specific within its rangers mm -hmm. and infantry and you know artillery and all these other that's where the warrior culture lies but with marines the entire institution is yeah. kind of based around that culture. So you've got all these mm -hmm. dudes and chicks, you know, throw them in there, mm -hmm. who have this, you know, ha ha, pound my chest, you know. Yeah. And then you get out, and the society that they that our veterans are now being thrown back into, holy oh God, shit. Yeah. Think about <laughs> veterans getting out and returning to society in the 90s. Like, yeah. not, not, Definitely a different mentality and a different atmosphere to be working in as a veteran. Mm -hmm. But you're still able to find people who think relatively similar than you, especially the older gentlemen, the guys who have been in the workforce or who have been in construction for all these years and they're foremen. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's that mentality. But nowadays, the mentality of the youth, the, the mentality of 25-year-olds in, in normal society, what an absolute fucking far cry. Yeah. From the mentality of what would normally be a warrior culture. And I mm -hmm. think that 
because of that, now these cultures within the military are starting to change. And I saw the tail end of it once, right before I got out. But yeah, the the ending of you're not allowed to do certain things. You're not allowed to scream at somebody or yell at them if you're disciplining them. Blah blah blah. Like re- things that I never in my life would have thought I would have gotten to quite literally be disciplined for or yelled at, despite <laughs> me having 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 it been done to me my entire time when I was in. Yeah. And now it's just like, wait, what, 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 what was that? But, but this PFC was, he was being stupid and he almost got mm-hmm. me killed. So there needs to mm-hmm. be. Some... So now my generation, so now I'm thinking back to certain, certain homies that are still in again, I'm not going to say any names, but yeah. certain homies who are still in, who were a part of my culture in the military. And mm-hmm. I, I wonder how it's going to be when they get out. I, I genuinely worry because mm-hmm. the world is so much different than when yeah. we went into it. Mm-hmm. And I, this is something that I was telling Joe, uh, my brother. Um, yeah. For those of you who don't know, my next brother down, he is also a Marine. Uh, and this is something that I was telling him <laughs> a few years ago, is that if you think about it, me and him, our generation of volunteers for the military was probably one of the last ones that actually, like, still got hazed, still got yelled at, got beat up in boot camp, like all that, yeah. all that shit. Like I literally got rocket chested or uh, ro- rocket kicked in the chest in boot camp Holy. while wearing <laughs> full, like 95 pounds of gear. Like that yeah. still happened. And I oh remember actually getting out of boot camp and shortly after a DI, I, I, I had overheard that a drill instructor at uh-huh. uh, the recruit depot in uh, uh, San Diego okay. had stuffed a recruit in a dryer and turned the dryer on <gasps> like <gasps> for a little while just like go 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 how is like, that possible <laughs> oh, it's, anything is anything is possible in the military I saw people trying to stick foot lockers in their cargo pocket what yeah. I I've, yeah you could make it happen <laughs> how? okay you're, okay, as, as I'm the drill instructor to, like, would say, I will, video at, or as the drill instructor would say, you don't think it can happen, I will make it happen. <laughs> but again, oh that was God. that was the culture then, and that yeah. culture also carried on into the fleet when you finally got to your job at Twenty Nine mm-hmm. Palms or Camp Pendleton, and you're working oh with you're working with actual Marines who are like, oh, hey, boot, guess what? Welcome to the welcome to the fleet, bitch. And then you know, yeah. X, Y, and Z happens, but. Again, that's where, when you've earned the respect in the military, that's why it means something. Mm-hmm. Is because these are the people that you came to as a fresh, you know, wearing a high and tight in your in your pickle suit, just standing yeah. there, and they're like, "Oh, you're fresh meat. Oh, we're, you you think the marine has, the marines has been hard? You thought boot camp was hard? It's it's nothing. He's like, welcome to the yeah, welcome to the welcome wait. to actual hard work." And that's yeah. that to me is what made it even harder. Boot mm-hmm. camp was difficult, but when I look back at it now, it wasn't difficult. It, it's not. Yeah. It's a mental game. When it actually oh, yeah. gets hard is when you hit the fleet and you're exposed to every every sergeant, every corporal, and every lance corporal who has been there a fucking minute and knows yeah. you're going to learn today and you're going to learn quick. So when mm-hmm. you've earned that respect, and now this is where I'm coming back. And so when you've <laughs> earned that respect, it means something. Yeah. So now you go from that to this politically correct soy-based society. 
it's it's the pendulum Sorry. is so far in the opposite direction from where military minded mm-hmm. people are that mm-hmm. now achieving those dreams that you had were, oh man I'm going to get out I'm going to do X, Y, and Z I'm going to do this, this, this yeah you freaking thought because this is now yeah. the society that you have to step back into and it's almost non-acceptant of mm-hmm. who you are as a man or as a woman who did serve a, mm-hmm. serve their country mm-hmm. and I think that is a major a major reason why a lot of a lot of veterans I think nowadays nowadays they are depressed but the reason why they are depressed is because they legitimately feel inadequate in the world around them the whole world around them is moving a hundred miles and let's see if this makes sense because this is this is the way i felt when i got out the world Mm -hmm. around me in the military is moving at a hundred miles an hour but Mm -hmm. at five miles an hour at the same time Everything mm. in the military is you're you're working, you're moving fast, you have a quick quick lunch, you get back to work, and then you do your training, you're doing ops, you're doing movements, you're doing uh uh methods of fire, you're you're doing X, Y, and Z, and it's balls to the wall, just almost nonstop intensity. But the mm-hmm. but the thing is after a while it becomes like like I used to have a sergeant who would say it's kind of like a, a ballet in mm-hmm. that ballet is a difficult, um, a physically demanding dance, but everything is mm-hmm. so choreographed and so smooth. It's almost beautiful the way it functions and in the way that it functions, it's almost slow. But the problem yeah. is when you go from that mentality of moving at a hundred fucking miles an hour, but at the same time, <laughs> your inner peace is at five miles an hour. The yeah. world that we live in is constantly moving at 200 miles an hour, but people mm-hmm. aren't at peace. Uh, Politics yeah. aren't at peace. Society yeah. isn't at peace. Uh, 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 escapism isn't at peace. So, uh, so what escape? What I mean by that is specifically like means of escapism. So movies, television shows, yeah, yeah. video games, mm-hmm. um, anything mm-hmm. like that. Oh, even books. Things that mm-hmm. are designed to like time to take a break from the regular world and kind of suspend myself in something for a little while. Mm-hmm. There's no, there, there's no, there's no keeping up with where the 15 second attention span of the fucking world. Yeah. It doesn't, it, this 15 second attention span doesn't compute with the way that a military mind works. It just doesn't. Mm-hmm. And so I think that plays into, to why a lot of veterans just feel like, Oh my God, like, it's not overwhelming, but I feel overwhelmed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's there. I can't find my peace. I can't find my dream job. I can't find my dream this and that. And it's because there's all this stuff in society that a veteran is almost designed to not. I guess not. Hmm. Almost designed mm-hmm. to not compute with mentally. Mm-hmm. Like on a mental. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'm just. So now, no, so now I, I'm just thinking. Now I'm just like, hmm. <laughs> because I'm, because now saying, I'm though. thinking back to how I felt when I got out, and it very much was like that. It was like, man, I like, I used to be something. But yeah. then you realize very quickly, no one fucking cares. And, and you know what? Mm-hmm. The, there's a part of me that's like, you know what? That's fine. Like it, 
there's a time like like even the bible says there's a time and a place for everything there's a chapter for all for all points in life and you know what at some point it's time to move on it's time to leave Mm -hmm. that chapter done concluded written Mm -hmm. and put away in your book uh that you will one day have to kind of go through and like you know, like you're out life flashing before your eyes. Yeah, you're basically reading your your book of life and everything that's happened mm-hmm. in every chapter. And I think I I honestly I I would say that in the past I had felt quote unquote depressed, but yeah. now I don't. And I the mm-hmm. re, the the only reason why is because I found I have found peace. I have found that you know what it's okay to feel this way about certain things. It's okay to not give a shit about certain things there's a time and a place to give a shit there's a time and a place to actually care about certain things there's a time and a place to help others and to take care of others and worry about others but there's also a time and place that you need to take care of yourself and i realized that very quickly (laughs) i was like you know what i need to i need to find where my peace is at and what makes Mm -hmm. me feel rich quote unquote rich Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. took me a little while but you know, I, I found it in but doing... But you got there. Yeah, I found it in doing certain things. And I'm, I'm not saying that my way of doing things is the end-all solution. Yeah. But I I don't feel depressed. I don't feel inadequate. I don't feel... I, I did my thing. I had fun. I got out. I did some other kind of cool stuff. Like, kind of. Like, eh. Mm-hmm. Um, that was actually my dream job was like, oh, I'm just going to do like contracting for the rest of my life. Yeah. COVID said no yeah. to that. So I had to, I had COVID to, said. I had to find my peace with something else and that was fine. You know, I, yeah. And this is where I kind of come back to what my uncle said, you know, you mm-hmm. can chase your dream job all you want. Some people get their dream job and some people, they just have to find whatever makes them content and whatever makes them happy and not necessarily yeah. what makes them feel like, Man, I've made it. I fucking made it. Because guess what? You never made it. Like, so Yeah. Nobody ever really makes no, it. No, you will never honest. make it. The president of the United States hasn't made it. <laughs> Neil Diamond never made it. No one on this planet is ever going to make it. And if the if you ever think that you've made it, that's just the excuse for you to drop your pack and get lazy. So Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. No. Okay, so <laughs> So I'll now now I'll pass the ball back to you and okay good because i have notes because yeah (laughs) so that's my take from my perspective on Mm -hmm. veteran mental health so now Mm -hmm. now i'm actually genuinely curious as to what your opinion is as somebody who looks at our situation from the outside in Mm -hmm. okay so there's one thing i want to touch on but i don't want it to get us off on like an epic tangent Mm -hmm. so i'm just going to kind of gloss over it because okay I feel like it fits with what you have been talking about. But as you were talking about like current military, right. Mm -hmm. And like them getting out and what it's going to look like for them. I kept thinking Vietnam Mm -hmm. and I kept thinking about all of those vets who had to come back to the craziness that happened Mm -hmm. back then. And I'm not, we're not going to go off on that, but I'm just saying, so I kept thinking about like the world that they reentered into Right, the yeah. United States that they came back into and how like intense that was for them and you know, and how in a lot of ways they probably felt similar. Like they you know, they, they came back and not and didn't have like the support that they thought they were gonna have, right? Because yeah. 
hashtag other stupid crap. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? So anyway, I just kept thinking about, oh, my God, Vietnam. Like, that makes so much more sense because I've, I've, I've always thought about those vets in particular because a lot of them are still alive, right? Yeah. And, like, they they didn't get what they should have gotten in the sense that they should have gotten the support that other generations of uh like vets have gotten yeah you know i feel like but um you know and it was nothing against it had they it was out of their control right yes. because those that were in power at the time were being stupid so anyway i'm gonna go off on tangent mm-hmm. i don't want to bring it back <laughs> uh, yeah i'm not gonna say anything just yeah <laughs> but anyway so like i just kept thinking about that so i just kind of wanted to touch on that because i feel like the point needs to be made that the vietnam generation and like your generation right of military members is it's going to be very similar in that aspect of like they're entering back into something that is so different than what it was mm-hmm. when they entered right like that was the whole point of bringing up vietnam so um but it was funny because you were talking about like how you know things were like difficult with the transition right and then you mentioned like the time like you did you had to eat you had to do this blah blah blah, blah. like mm-hmm. you had your structure right yes. and so my cousin um he just got released from the navy uh for medical exemption and mm-hmm. all that other bullcrap because we know what's happening right now but anyway <laughs> um so he was just released and um he was here for a few days because his truck broke down on his way home and so he had to like stay here while he was getting a face and whatever Mm -hmm. so we were hanging out and like talking and you know whatever and we i don't even know how many meals we had together but we kept eating together and every time i'm like damn you eat so fast but i didn't (laughs) say you're gonna say that yeah i was like i didn't i didn't say it every time i said it a couple of times and then by the third time I said it, he was like, well, yeah, but this is why. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, uh, see, I, me as a civilian, <laughs> right, like wasn't putting two and two together mm-hmm. that that's why he was eating so damn fast. And I was like, oh, he's like, yeah, I know I really need to work on it. And I'm like, we well, don't have to start doing it right now. You know, we give yourself time and like whatever. But it just, it, again, wasn't something that I was thinking about i wasn't thinking about it from that perspective of of course he had to freaking go to mess mm-hmm. right and like he had however long to eat and then go do his job yep right and so um you know and then that like that sent him on a tangent about talking about when he was actually deployed to and like even how it was even less time right mm-hmm. and i'm like oh, okay yeah that makes sense like us you know common folk don't realize <laughs> 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 like <laughs> what what all goes into the, like the mm. every day right and so when when somebody gets back from a deployment or actually leaves the military you know that it, there is that adjustment period but then when you add in the aspect of like you know somebody that's in their 30s it's been in since they were 18 yep. right that world our world is so different right and then they're gonna come out and be like you know again like you were saying like have want to chase their dream right yep. but they're gonna be basically starting all over mm-hmm. right which is something that yeah like, your life is, is quite society. literally on pause for the entire time that you're in and that's something yeah. that I never really thought of. 
mm-hmm. until and like, after I had gotten out and I was like, oh, the world kind of carried on without me and I never really thought about it. Well, and that, like, that's such a good point, too, because that's even, it's the same thing for those that are married, too, and have kids. Mm -hmm. Because when they're gone, right, life continues. And then they come back and try and, you know, get back into the swing of things. And you have, I've seen it with different friends, but they also talk about it in movies all the time, right? But, like, you have that person who just came back from an epic, like, epically difficult deployment, right? Mm -hmm. And they're trying to balance because they're on leave right now. And now they're back at home and they have these kids that want their time and they have their wife who wants their time. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, so all that balance. So of course there's going to be, there needs to be a a time to, to mentally unpack what you have put into your, Mm -hmm. (laughs) your rucksack. We'll put it that way. What you've literally had to put in your rucksack while you were gone. And obviously, like, again, just as I mentioned in my disclaimer, I never went to combat. So for people who go to combat, you can imagine the kind of stuff that they're having to mentally can't can't think about that. Put it away. Mm -hmm. Can't think about that. Put it away. Mm -hmm. This isn't the time and this isn't the the place. But even even in the normal military, like even in in garrison, even in my job, there were times where I was like, nope, not not even going to think about it. Don't even just stuff it. Stuff it somewhere and don't don't worry about it. it this is not the time nor the place. And mm-hmm. if I do worry about this issue or this person or this specific thing that's going on, this is going to affect my yeah. performance. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, in my job, you could v- still you could still very much get killed very easily yeah. if you are negligent in your job whatsoever, especially if you're working on powders. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, bonfire! <laughs> like I, I, I never saw it happen, but I remember right when I had hit the fleet, there was this huge training accident in um, oh. North Carolina, or I can't remember. Okay. I think it was in North Carolina. Yeah, howitzer like straight up blew up um, <gasps> during a training exercise. It just holy. If I remember correctly, I think they fired it. They fired the round. And uh-huh. the round blew up in the tube, halfway up the tube. I can't remember exactly, but what? yeah, like, I don't... In, it wasn't crazy. based on negligence or anything like that. I think there was an issue just... with, yeah, I, I on a, honestly, I don't remember. Again, I wasn't there. I just remember hearing about it and we ended up having, mm-hmm. I remember we had a safety brief about it. Like, Hey, we need to make sure that when we're inspecting like the fuses and the projectiles and the powders and the primers, um, mm-hmm. We need to make sure that they're in good working order, that they're serviceable, and if you see anything, call it out. Like, all right, Roger. So. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could so, imagine even being one of the Marines on the gun line at that time. Like, even just think about that. So even the yeah. Marines on the gun line who witnessed that, who had to then mm-hmm. run and render aid, which I know a, uh, a couple of my chiefs were actually there when it happened. And they were mm-hmm. like, yeah, we like we had to run over there and like render aid. Uh the breach block on the back of the howitzer literally flew out, which is literally a 340, I think it's 340 pounds. Okay. I might be wrong on that. I can't remember exactly. Again, you don't use it, you lose it. Um, but yeah. this breach block, which is on the back of the howitzer, it got blown clean off the back and flew through the training area and just was like, pa, 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 pa. so you can mm-hmm. imagine having, seeing this kind of like, whoa, what the fuck? Yeah. And having to 
do some mental juggling to make sure that you can now work and function and think and react mm -hmm. appropriately. So, mm -hmm. which gets us into fight, fight, or uh, mm -hmm. fight, fight, fight or flight. flight. Wow, I can talk. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Fight or flight or freeze. There's freeze too. Um, See, but... I always assumed that was flight, but no, oh, no, so no. Yeah, a... I guess you're right. Yeah. Fight, yeah. So flight would be you're actually moving. You're still doing something, but you're not you're not fighting right mm -hmm. where freezing is you're literally not moving mm -hmm. like your your brain your amygdala we talked about that yesterday no. <laughs> your amygdala has completely shut down hmm. and you got nothing like so you're not even moving at all gotcha. um so there yeah there is different levels um Rad. but what i wanted to talk about like with that as far as like the solution you know because mm -hmm. you talked about unpacking yeah everything and i think that this is so we're going to go back to my psychology degree. Sweet. <laughs> um, Let's go. Um, so I spent a ton of time um, researching veterans and like I wrote a bazillion papers on like veteran mental health. I also did it in my grad degree too with social work. Mm -hmm. And just because vets are like, I mean, you know this, but mm -hmm. the general audience does not know this. Um, veterans are very important to me and you know, I come from a military family. And so, you know, that's more of like my background and why I really wanted to try and if I was going to stay in the mental health realm, that would be where I was working, mm -hmm. right? Was with specifically veterans. Um, and so that's why I spent a ton of my time during school, like researching and going through all of that. Mm -hmm. And so through that process, <laughs> I learned how shitty the VA really is. <laughs> And, no comment. And, no comment. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I figured you were gonna say no comment. So, but I think that that's that's the big issue right mm -hmm. there. Is the VA is so horrible, and that's why we have these veterans in these places that they're at when they're trying to re-enter quote normal society. Mm -hmm. That's why we have them dealing with PTSD. That's why we have them depressed. That's why we have them not like healing yeah. really an institution you know? that they are told before they get out is supposed mm -hmm. to have their back and is a part mm -hmm. of their i don't want to say brotherhood but it's, it's supposed it's, to it's be a, it's a yeah it's a it's these are people that give a shit you know what i mean yeah but and then really for don't. you to yeah and then for you to get out and realize <laughs> wait these people really don't if anything they're more pissed off at us like that is yeah. also yeah that's a good point yeah, and so I think, and again, I have spent countless hours, so many, um, you know, going through all of that and trying to, like, I literally read the freaking Veterans Act from, like, start to finish. No. Okay. Um, and I was reading it going, what the actual F is this? Mm -hmm. And how is this actually supposed to help? And so I wrote a whole paper on it. <laughs> but... Oh my god, I should pull that out. But anyway, um, it just was so mind-boggling to me to sit there and be like, okay, as a civilian, right? Mm -hmm. But as a person who has had conversations with both of her grandfathers and has a bazillion different friends that are military, right? Mm -hmm. And I will have these kinds of conversations. We've had a few, right? So, you know, I obviously have never been there myself, but I have had these conversations with people who have 
and some who have been in combat, mm-hmm. right? And just sitting there and trying to figure out, okay, well, what can I do, right, as a civilian mm-hmm. who, you know, loves and cares about these people when the institution that was put in place for them isn't even doing it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I got very, very angry for a while. Mm, I can imagine. <laughs> After all of that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm on a tangent. But but I also wanted to kind of, like, touch on that because you talked about there being a time and a place and, like, that chapter, right? And I'm going to tie this back into mental health mm-hmm. and how, you know, for veterans specifically, obviously the VA needs to fucking step up. I agree. So I couldn't – I could not filter that one. Um, So – they really, really, really need to step up. But I also think that just like the mental health community really needs to focus on veterans more so than just like the generalized public. Mm-hmm. And I'm probably going to get some flack for that, but whatever. Um, but because you have these individuals who, again, are come coming from a completely different society where rules were not rules Mm -hmm. like you know you've talked about it too like you um you know you were exposed to all these different cultures and different people right where it didn't matter though you know you guys didn't give a flying f that this person was black or this person was muslim or like whatever Mm -hmm. right you those rules didn't apply because you were outside of that society right because the military is its own like society Anyway, um, so, you know, but then you're, you're leaving the military, which was your, your society, right? Regardless of how you grew up as an individual before that, right? And then you have all this other stuff that happened in your little society group, whatever branch of the military you were in, Mm -hmm. right? Because they're all different too. (laughs) And then you exit. Right. And now you're coming back into, quote, generalized society, Mm -hmm. which, as we've already mentioned, just continued on. And you all of a sudden have to, like, crazy adjust to that. Mm -hmm. It's just it blows my mind. I feel like there needs to be this, like, process. I don't want to say it like this, but, okay, you know how when, um, like, people who were in prison they get mm-hmm. out of prison and then they have to go through their little program. Yeah. Right. To like re-enter society. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, obviously it's not the same thing, but I feel like there should be that process for military members mm-hmm. coming back in. Yeah. Cause we actually have something, well, the military's excuse for what that is supposed to be or the mm-hmm. program that functions as that is the, mm-hmm. um, t- uh, TRS transition. Wait, Transition, oh, oh, re- transitional... tra- transition readiness. Yes. Transi- I wrote about Something. this. Crap, hang on. That was so long ago. And transitional. that's supposed to serve as when you get to society. Da, 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 but it really, it, mm, I think, I think the TRS program needs to be rethought out. And instead of having mm-hmm. these people come to us that are totally fucking tone deaf and really don't know what they're talking about and really are not preparing anyone for anything like let's be honest mm-hmm. here uh, i mean m- maybe the class where they did the um resume building that one was fine uh, 
that one makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, what have you done? Well, da, yeah. Da, da. But everything yeah. else is just like it's most of it is hogwash. And I remember even thinking, this all seems like hogwash. Like, I don't know. The way I think TRS needs to work is the TRS program should exist. It should mm-hmm. be done for military members who are about to get out. It should mm-hmm. be a requirement. But I think the people who are running it need to be all former veterans who are not tone mm-hmm. deaf, who understand their audience and can yeah. realistically convey and put into perspective the way that actual civilian life is going to be mm-hmm. coming from the the mouth of somebody who's been there and not some, yes. I'm an instructor at this place or I, I work in... The, the library, I think one of my TRS instructors was some chick who worked in an office on base for the transitional program or uh-huh. something like that. So she's actually not out in the real world. Let's be honest here. Sorry, but you're not yeah. in the real world. The real world would be guys who are out there who are veterans who are like, I'm just going to go do construction or I'm just going to go right. do X, Y, and Z. I'm going to do that. I'm going to be a cop, you know, mm-hmm. and the, have these people come in and really put into perspective like hey who wants to be a cop like being a cop da, 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 da. and then i think they this should is have what it actually yeah is. i think they should have yeah resume classes based on so what is something that you want to do when you get out what do you see yourself doing mm-hmm. and then all these various people who are also veterans can now chime in and help the service members write the appropriate not a generalized the appropriate um resume for the job that they do want and if they Mm -hmm. can't get the job that they want like oh i want to work for like i i don't know Mm -hmm. i want to be a supervisor at spacex like okay can't do that but you can start here and having people kind of put into perspective like this is probably what's what you're going to end up doing so i'm going to help you prepare for this and then you can go from there but yeah and where I'm branching out from that is, so that's the TRS that's currently taking place right now, is it's happening for service members before they get out. However, I think there should be an extension to TRS. I think mm-hmm. there should be a TRS seminar done six months after you get out, which does the same thing. Yeah. How is civilian life treating you? Are you employed? Where are you living? Are you okay? Do you need help? Blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah. Which is where the VA is supposed to come in, mm -hmm. but doesn't. Just throwing that out there for people who don't know. The VA basically (laughs) functions as a clinic at this point. And the clinic is often staffed by people who are not familiar with what a veteran is thinking or going through. Um, And for the most part, the doctors and technicians that are working there, that may be their dream job. So they can't really... Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say they can't understand, because they probably can. Maybe they can, but... Who knows? I feel like that too, like that's where we're going to get that on cultural stuff again. But mm-hmm. like that's where like military culture needs to be trained like or the people who aren't military and are coming into those like jobs. Right. You need to have yeah. some kind of training like mm-hmm. you need to have, you know, those people who are going to come and sit down and be like, look, this is what it really is like, because that's where the other like crossover happens and we have issues because there's not that like development of understanding yeah you know because we as like social workers um 
you know, we're taught all this bullshit, <laughs> but like, it's all, it's all very generalized. Right. But then it's, you don't understand it until you're actually there in the field. No. Right. And this was the issue that I had with my schooling is I felt like, so we had, I had my practicum, which with people don't know what that means. Um, it's like the, like basically infield training, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't have that till my very end of my master's. And so I had a almost two years worth of school, right? Mm -hmm. And then had to do a whole year of in-field training. Mm -hmm. And during COVID, which was... Oh, oh boy. Was, <sighs> okay, anyway, <laughs> I'm going to have a, like a trauma response. I'm just kidding. Um, so it, it was very, it was very intense. But anyway, so I was having to do all of that. And I kept thinking... Why the hell were we not doing this from the get-go? Like, why weren't we having more in-field stuff to pair? Because this is how I learned personally. Um, to pair with the other classes. Like, cultural competence. Why the hell did we not go out and, like, you know, meet with different people? Or, like, why didn't the school provide, like... Because, I mean, our area is very culturally diverse, mm -hmm. right? So it would have been very easy to bring together different cultures and, um, you know, have a discussion. Yeah. So, like, why wasn't that done? You know, and I feel like that, you know, should be done from from the perspective of, like, the military, especially if you're going to be working in the VA, if you aren't already a veteran. Mm -hmm. Right. But I think I like the way you were saying that, though, because statistically, like... You know, statistically, there's veterans in every job, right? Yep. So it wouldn't be difficult to find somebody to be able to come in and be like, oh, you want to do this job? Okay, mm -hmm. this is how let me I get you. It. Let me get you in touch with mm -hmm. a veteran who is a part of that job. Or, And yeah. that was something that I was thinking about, too. Because then what you could do is you can actually have veterans who have been out for a while, who are part of certain networks, check mm -hmm. in with the VA. Which, to be mm -hmm. honest, it's a government institution. Probably doesn't need to be mm -hmm. there, but you know, we can. I, I, yeah, don't I get me started. I've, <laughs> I've debated that. There's a part of me that's like it is necessary, because the point of the v, the veterans' assistance is to assist veterans, and there's nothing inherently wrong with that, especially if you are devoting that time to serving the country in that manner. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like if you allow other veterans to kind of chime in, the network mm -hmm. of veterans now grows for the person that just got out. So they may get out and exactly. return to their normal life, but none of their friends understand their mindset yeah. or understand the way that they think or understand mm -hmm. even the way that they eat, for instance, you know? Yeah. <laughs> they may not understand <laughs> that. But if I continue to use this, again, like my example, my solution would be to have transition readiness or mm -hmm. I guess it would be called transitional assistance and mm -hmm. it's ongoing until you deem it not necessary anymore, kind of like mental health. And you yeah, could literally exactly. use it for as long as you need to. Um, and it's a network full of people who have been out who are familiar with life on the other side where you think the grass is greener, but it's like, eh, <laughs> it's like, kind of dingy looking you know what i mean but that veteran may or yeah. may not have 
been fine. They may or may not have like, hey, I've been there, done that. I know exactly what you're going through. And this is what I do, you know, so. Mm-hmm. And veterans already kind of do that. I mean, I can't tell you how many times my buddies have contacted me or I've contacted my buddies and just been like, hey, I just need to talk. And, you know, yeah. I, I love talking with my buddies. I made a couple of group chats with some of my buddies now. And there are times where we're like, yeah, I'm just not, I'm not really feeling it, man. It's been kind of rough, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, no, you're good, man. And, you know, there's that there's that reaching out but the thing Mm -hmm. is we all knew each other when we were in so yeah and none of them are local anymore so they're all Mm. a couple of yeah two of them were and one of them now lives like an hour and a half away and the other one actually legitimately moved out of the state so now oh okay yeah not local Mm. yeah (laughs) which is fine again it's there's that finding your peace it's that not being okay with not needing that, not needing that constant, like, oh, I need to be around other veterans all the time and blah, blah, blah. And I need to have that. Like, it's okay to not need and it's okay to not be needed. So. Yeah. Um, And that also, like I said, that also comes with finding your peace and just kind of, because I've gotten that. Why don't you really call me anymore, man? I'm just, Honestly, I'm just mm-hmm. chilling. I'm not. It's not that I don't want to talk to you. It's not that I don't want to listen to your voice. It's just sometimes I just just want to chill and just want to mind my own business, you know. And I'm fine with that. So. Yeah, mm. and like we each have our things, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we each have the way to deal with different things. But, um, and I think too that brings it back to like the whole chapter and time and place and mm. you know, yeah, being able to really move through it versus being like stuck in it not saying that you know all veterans get stuck but i think that's the other thing too about society is you know we don't have these or the institution that's supposed to be helping them isn't going to help them or isn't helping them and that's where you get them stuck Mm -hmm. right like they can't find that healing and then that can even translate into just everybody in general right time and the place and you know and all that like but being able to move past it right like whatever it was that happened that you know was an issue but anyway mm-hmm. i can keep ranting no, I totally <laughs> get you. well uh, i think that's the perfect we're on we're coming up on well we surpassed two hours oops. which yeah oops <laughs> i'm not gonna lie i didn't really notice it either um yeah so i, I think either. i think and there was I stuff think, i didn't even talk yeah, about yeah we didn't get to everything <laughs> but that we we hit the main parts and that's fine and yeah. the rabbit trails are fine too again <laughs> if you're not, if you're listening to this and you're not a rabbit trail kind of person sorry um if you made sorry. it this far <laughs> righteous freaking rad and i i just gotta then say you are a rabbit trail yeah person. i just i just gotta <laughs> say if you made it this far i really appreciate it uh, yes. <laughs> we really appreciate it. And I think now would be the perfect opportunity to kind of like wind it down. So, mm-hmm. and this is something that I just wanted to ask you as like a closing statement. So what are some things, what are some, what's some advice that you would give to the younger folk out there or even mm-hmm. people our age who are experiencing, who feel that they're experiencing mental health mm-hmm. and 
and then what I'll do is I'll chime in and I'll I'll do my little thing of if you're a veteran who is experiencing blah blah, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, so to not like tangent about it, number but one, so I think <laughs> number one advice that you'd give somebody who's currently going through mental illness, regardless of who they are. Um, number one would be figure out your boundaries, like with, within your family, within how you use social media, with your phone in general, just like, just figure out boundaries. That's the biggest thing that I've personally noticed that affects a lot. Mm -hmm. And like, when you don't have strong boundaries, you're going to find yourself slipping back into old patterns. I I love that. <laughs> That's actually great. Uh, what would you, so my next question. Okay. So what, mm -hmm. what advice would you give to the youth of today who may or may not be going through mental health uh, issues? Um, so I would, this is going to be a harder one. Okay. So I personally would say to assess who you're giving your time to mm. and what you're giving your time to. Yeah. And really figure out, is that important? Mm -hmm. Like, is the validation important that you're getting from social media or from these people that you have? Because, you know, there's a reason that us older folks and the people who are older than us <laughs> say you, you are what you eat. You are who you hang around. You are blah, 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 like insert other cliche thing here, yeah. right? There is a reason that we say that because we've come to a point where we get it. It's we real. know we can, we can look back and see, oh my God, like this person really affected me as a person and that's why I was acting this way, yeah. right? Or this music that I listened to really was giving me a crappy behavior you know like so yeah. just really sit back and assess the, those things and let that be your first step your second step would be finding somebody of quality not quantity <laughs> of quality that you can actually speak to about what you've got going on yeah especially not some someone that you can trust yeah, somebody that you can trust and not somebody that's just, I know this is going to, this is going to be a thing. But anyway, somebody that's not just going to stroke your ego. Yep. Somebody that isn't afraid to help you question what you've got going on, but also guide you in an appropriate way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Freaking <laughs> I'm rad. trying not to like go off on no, anything no, about that's that. that's perfect. <laughs> Uh, and then, of course, lastly, what would you mm -hmm. say to veterans who are, Ooh. I feel like your input should also be heard for that. So mm -hmm. somebody who is from your perspective. So, <laughs> so based on just personal experience, I think like my advice would be to have grace for the family members and your friends that are civilians because we are going to want to try our hardest to help you out mm -hmm. but we I, we also have to understand as civilians that that's not 
always going to be the best option mm -hmm. because there are going to be things that we don't need to know, right? There are going to be things that we don't need to hear because like our veteran is trying to protect us, right? Which I get, I understand that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, on the flip side of that, being a civilian and asking a veteran friend like, hey, you know, like what do you got going on? Or, or even offering like, I'm here to listen. Like if, I mean, cause I've had this happen <laughs> where that veteran friend like comes back and is like, well, you don't need to know about it. Like, okay. But that can be taken as, you know, like as we really, you know, they don't, not that they don't want to talk to us, but like, I guess that can be taken very negatively of course. and yep. can also cause us as civilians to distance. stop offering. Yeah. Yeah stop offering distance we'll be like well fine you know like we have that opposite mm -hmm. response right like i offered i was vulnerable and i'm offering you to talk to me right mm -hmm. and then which again i understand that that's not always easy but you know to just kind of have grace for those friends and family that are offering and you know maybe have a conversation and be like i'm not ready to talk about it right now but this is something that you can help me with like find something small right like, it doesn't have to be the whole horror story of, you know, whatever happened, right? But it could be just something small and just be like, hey, like, I'm just really struggling today. Can we watch a funny movie? Yep. You know, something <laughs> simple like that where we can be, we can feel like we're involved. Um, but also, we don't have to know all the little ins and outs. <laughs> Wicked. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I agree with all that. Um. My, so for those of you listening, I know many of you who are going to end up listening to this are veterans. If, uh, mm. if you are in any way experiencing some type of mental health problem or issue, uh, reach out to your, your fellow veterans or mm -hmm. the people that you did serve with who may be still serving. Reach out to them because they know you better than anyone else. I would even argue that the people that you served with just might know you better than your own family knows you at this point. Um, mm -hmm. So always consider that. Never be afraid to speak up and be like, hey, yo, this is how, this is what's going on. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm feeling. Am I crazy? And I'll probably <laughs> tell you, yeah. So stop being a bit. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no. Um, Reach out to your fellow veterans. If you don't have any fellow veterans or if you don't want to reach out to your fellow veterans, there are veteran um, hotlines. There are veteran suicide hotlines. And this yes. even goes for um, civilians who are experiencing mental health. If you need to, if you feel that you need to, reach out to suicide hotline, mental health hotline. Uh, reach out to your local, I hate to say it, shrinks. I'm not, mm -hmm. I personally am not a big fan of a shrink. I don't like doctors telling me things that I already fucking know. That's just my, mm -hmm. that's not my pro professional opinion. Not everyone is like me. If you feel that you need to do that, by all means. Uh, if you have, if you are close with your family, please reach out to your family. Your family yeah. has your best interest in mind. If your family does not have your best interest in mind, fall back on bets. Uh, because I do know mm -hmm. people who are in that situation. Oh, my family is... Da, da, da. Your veterans are family. A veteran is the people that you served with, their brothers, their sisters. They are even mentors. So never be afraid to do that. Um, 
So yeah, that's going to be my, that's my input. Um, <laughs> lastly, this is the part where we plug you. Uh, this is where we yeah. stroke your ego, <laughs> brush your hair, uh, do your makeup for you, oh. and make you look good. So plug what you need to plug. Um, okay, so my podcast is an epiphany with Tiffany. You can find it pretty much everywhere that you listen to podcasts. Sweet. Um, and yeah, I, I, what? I was on it. So yes, he was full on dis- it. Full disclosure. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot to actually say that at the beginning. Full disclosure. I was actually already on your podcast. Uh, yes. I was on it once and then did bonus material. So yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. So an, uh, check it out. An epiphany, an epiphany with Tiffany. Uh, yes. also follow her social media. Um, it is an epiph with Tiff. Yes. On Instagram, right? Uh, your mm-hmm. Twitter? My Twitter, so my Twitter and TikTok are the same. It's just all in a pick with Tiff. Wicked. <clears throat> cool. So if you don't know how to spell that, it's A-N-E-P-I-P-H and then with Tiff. Um, and that's Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. All the things. So yeah fucking righteous <laughs> <laughs> i'm on there i post random stuff i don't always post don't we all podcast, like but, <laughs> but, you know <laughs> i'm not gonna lie i do that sometimes fine. especially with memes i'm just like oh random God, bullshit yeah. meme yeah well i mean we always send each other the yep. randomest stuff Back. but i mean you know if you follow me and you like memes like okay so if you like lord of the rings or like anything like that just send me all the memes got it so just all the nerd <laughs> stuff um but yeah marvel that too anyway but yeah, yeah follow me on social media i like to hang out i like to talk to people and discuss things modern and or, um, up- modern what would you call it uh modern, modern issues and whatnot so yeah modern issues yeah. yep like it and, yeah well, all right. It's a lot of thank fun. you. Um, thank you so much, <laughs> Tiff, for uh, coming on the podcast. Yeah. I really appreciate it. I know. It, it, oh, I need to not <laughs> wait so long to do one. Guys, it's two months. Ugh. I know. But that's fine. I'm over here like I haven't recorded my own in probably about two and a half months. Yeah. And just get busy. I'm like, yeah, you really need to get on that. Yeah. So I'm probably going to record my own here. In Wicked. A yeah <laughs> all right well for those of you who have made it to the end of this podcast I, once again i just uh want to say thanks thanks for sticking it out for this long yeah and until next time this has been the coup cast stay righteous